is you made a good point. We do. There's a thing that Puritans had about like a chosen hundred thousand. That there was a cap number. Hundred forty-four thousand. That they yeah. only those were going to get to heaven, yeah. and we think we've got on the Bitcoin bus early enough that we're going to be part of that hundred forty-four thousand <laughs> that are getting to Bitcoin heaven. <laughs> uh, the twenty-one million club. Yep. The, the the other thing I want to say is that, um, you know, religion is typically formed around like the supreme being, God, and I see like I see Bitcoin as treating. Like it's it's a decentralized God treating all of humanity collectively um, as God, and like we as a decentralized force, we will do the right thing. The right, the you know the the answers will arise. And I mean, it's called the Genesis Code. So yeah, there's Genesis block. Also, with, yeah, with like the anonymity of the Creator and people using that word immaculate conception. I mean that. That, and it's got like that, a, a mythical origin story. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, Satoshi isn't nece- doesn't necessarily God. He's the he's, kind of the he's messenger. Jesus. He's Jesus. Yeah, or the, he's Jesus God. Sorry, I, I retract. I think I don't know. I mean, it just kind of sounds here. like a unknowing. I'm Jew. not sure. Uh, so uh, happy Hanukkah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, but no, I think there is something to be said about the infallible word of the blockchain. Um, that that the immutable nature of the blockchain lends itself to um, to always being able to verify the validity of what's been put on there. I, yeah, I just also just like to go back and clarify when I said the people who are against Bitcoin are not heretics; they're infidels. Just as a a point, a definition term, if we're using religious terms, heretics would be more like a a hard fork or something. Or a shitcoin would be heretics. They've taken Satoshi's original code and forked it to terrible means. Uh, that would be what a heretic is in this in this situation. Also, you, I think uh, just applying more religious terms to Bitcoin, uh, if we could say, so the the white paper is like a actual religious text, similar like to an Old Testament, New Testament, whereas uh, Satoshi's writings are more like the Hadiths. They're not quite as central to the religion. There is some religious value to Satoshi's letters, but the more so the white paper. <laughs> um, so these naughty infidel no coiners. Yes. Um, is, can we just ignore them? <laughs> well, I mean, if they're no coiners, well, it's kind of. I know. think you could draw this comparison as well. It's like if you haven't heard of Jesus, then you're still okay. okay. So if you haven't heard about Bitcoin <laughs> enough. Then you're good. Do they immediately all go to hell. So, so what, what I like on the consensus here, though. So, so just, just we are. Answer. I think we've settled on that this um, is a new religion. But what I really like about, and we before the show, we all talked about no big block, no no little block conversation here. But the the three twenty five A D Council of Nicene meeting to decide what books went into the Bible is exactly what happened when the community decided that what Bitcoin <laughs> is not. And uh, I got nothing I further like to say on this. <laughs> yeah, the, when that actually happened, it was surprising how much Christianity changed. In that, for a long time, it was kind of resisting paganism, and around that 350 AD is when it just said, "No, we're just going to take all your ideas. 
You know how he said, no idols? Of course, we're going to do idols all you want. Any saint you want, bring me a bone and worship it, you know? I, I you think know, you do need to be careful not to get into the realm of talking bad about about Christianity. But I definitely think, not that you were or, or weren't, I'm just, I'm just, the Bitcoin is, is for many something that is so powerful and so potent that it can be clung to, that we have let, we have designed a system that is that is damn near perfect and i think there's power in that whatever that power is i don't know you know there's there's something like in your analogy that you gave um uh that actually kind of changes uh how how to how to frame what part of bitcoin is what like like kind of talk about the white paper as the religious text but i don't think that's the case because the religious text in this instance like they're they're that's the one that sets out the doctrine that sets out the rules of the system, which would imply that Bitcoin's religi- religious text is the consensus code and the blockchain. And it's not written in English. It's written in, you know, C++. It's written in all of the computer languages. Is that we've changed the language. We, we are now writing our religious text in code because we're establishing a set of virtual rules that we're playing by. Um, and I, I don't know. I kind of think that like I, I, I take I have, I have a big like sometimes I love it and sometimes I hate it with the whole like Bitcoin is a religion mm-hmm. idea but um, it's definitely very interesting to me I, so. I, I, I would just I think the the white paper is like the Bible and the network consensus is like the church itself and not the church like a physical church but the the, uh, the, the body of all Christian believers that that's the the network and the white paper is still a religious document. I've been thinking about, man, I got some of my throat. Um, something about the printing press, like the printing press had a huge effect on Christianity because once the Bible could be kind of mass printed, am I right about this? That really was a big deal in making Christianity spread. Is, is there something, a good analogy here with, Bitcoin being this kind of printing press for something like sound money or something like decentralization, like Bitcoin is the vehicle that's going to export some kind of libertarian freedom thing to the rest of the world. No, is that analogy working or no? I think I think there's something there because what the printing press did is it basically took the control or the defining of the Christianity religion out of the hands of the priests. Like, is that when everyone is illiterate and no one has their own copy of the Bible, they have to ask the Bible authority what it says and what they should do and what the rules are. So it created these huge centralized institutions of religious power that basically would command people. And then the printing press basically led to, you know, the the Reformation and the redefining of the religion as something that you would figure out as an individual, that it's... It, we can now read the Bible and decide for ourselves that no, what you said was wrong, um, and uh, and that led to the fall of the the large centralized religious institutions in their sense of like political power. And Bitcoin is 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 really doing something incredibly similar to monetary power. Um, is that it's allowing people to define the rules and check essentially for themselves what money is whereas before they just left it up to the monetary priests to decide what was and what wasn't so to in, be 
in this metaphor, it's not that Bitcoin is the Catholic Church. Bitcoin is the Protestant Reformation. Yes. Money was a religion, and Bitcoin is now reforming money as a religion, getting it back on track. Yeah, money has always been a religion. Really Bitcoin like is a, rede yeah. a redefining of it. I like that, too. Although, I still kind of like feeling like a cult. I mean, I, I kinda, like you were saying, I kind of think the word cult's kind of being embraced. I went to somebody's Twitter profile, and it was like, welcome to my Twitter cult. You know, like I mean, there's, there's a culture. So, with any culture, you have a cult. Uh, I mean, that incurs language, um, social norms. I, I think a cult is a religion that is associated with a single person. And I think Satoshi did an incredible job, a superhuman job, about not letting a cult get built around him. I, that he is not the center of this movement. It's almost like... Uh, and I guess the the Reformation people did a pretty good job, too. Like, I, even though you have, like, Martin Luther was big, and you do have stuff named after him, it's, there were, it wasn't just a single entity. There were, you know, five, at least five really important Protestant people all working at the same time. I think single individuals can create a cult, but I don't think it necessarily, you don't need a person to have a cult or a culture. I mean, you could have American culture or baseball culture. Yeah. Um, yeah, Satoshi was not trying to be Jerome Powell. He was not trying to be the Federal Reserve Chairman of <laughs> Bitcoin. <laughs> and uh, Martin Luther wasn't trying to be the Pope. <laughs> so did we settle it? Bitcoin is a religion and we're happy about it? Actually, Confirmed. I think, I think we um, kind of settled on this idea that money itself is a religion. And Bitcoin is kind of the Reformation. I like that. Now, why, why did we need this Protestant Reformation? Because that's part of what all got us reunited our religious furor, you know, and brought us to Bitcoin. Now, see, I want to say something about the meme of religion real quick before we jump to that. <laughs> Was just that, like, like, where I like it is when it's used... Like it's always really kind of used in jest, you know, um, but where it kind of just calls attention to the fact that everything that we believe, like like all of our concepts and like societal designs, money, all of these things, these things really are religions. They're just the religions that we act. They're they're the they're the set of abstract rules that we act as if they are true, and um, and it and they have real consequences. So like they have a degree of truth, like when they're being implemented um but like so when we call bitcoin a religion i think it like particularly when we're like joking or being overly sarcastic or like cultish about it mm -hmm. is in trying to call attention to the fact that like this is this is how everything works kind of things like this is this is how we do everything but then in one way it's just like do i want people to see us all as like a bunch of psychotic idiots you know and like, the citadels who cares we're in the citadels <laughs> like see i love it like i want to play the game yeah. but i don't know what other people are going to think about me when i'm playing the game you know so well i think we're kind of using the word religion as just kind of an analogy for like faith yeah you know and yeah. it's there there is a difference that's my We're not really using it like that. I think it's entirely possible that we are almost in a literate state of society right now when it comes to computers and especially code. That if you could, that we wait. Can did, did you say literate or illiterate? Illiterate. 
that even people who can code can barely code compared to what we'll be able to do in the future. Oh, okay. It's almost like you can sort of read, you can read short words, you sort of have to mouth um, the words to yourself to be able to say them out to like read uh, when you're reading something quietly. Like I think that's what programmers are at today. And that in the future, yeah. that pe- children, by the time they're in middle school, will be so programming literate that they could independently read the code of Bitcoin and be like, yeah, this code runs fine. That that's how far humans could advance. That we are very early as far as humans actually reading code as a language. Yeah, I used to think coding was like the new form of literacy where today only 1% of people can code, whereas back a a while ago only 1% of people could read. But I don't really know if that's true because, you know, I, I can code, but I never read code. You know, it's just coding is for me talking to the computer. Um, It's not really for like me talking to other people. Like I never, I mean, I could read the Bitcoin source code if I wanted to. And I I have tried a little bit, but, you know, I'd rather just run the program to figure out what it did than to try to read the code to figure out what it did. So I don't know. I, I don't really have a point here. I just... I used to think coding was the new literacy, but I'm not sure. I feel like it's something different now. It seems like coding now, it's less about being able to read it and just being able to understand it or using tools that make coding easier. So it's more intuitive. Like you don't have to learn how to code in order to, you don't have to learn how to read code in order to use tools that have already been built, mash them all together, and then you've got yeah, a program. Yeah, it's kind of like a difference, it's like a difference between hacking and like being a script kitty. You know, there's a lot more script using using these days. Yeah. I also think languages become more accessible over time. The Middle English is not as accessible as today's English. That not only do people become more literate on their own, but the language becomes easier to read. And eventually we could have a programming language that is just so intuitive to humans that they can just read it and not particularly have ever been taught how to code. But it's just obvious as far as what step is leading to what step. Yeah, yeah, that is true. There will be that language, and Bitcoin will never be written in that language oh, yeah, because, so. <laughs> well, because Bit- Bitcoin, the the you know the most serious uh, applications will be written in the least human readable code because the way code works, if it's really important that you understand where every one and zero goes at all times, then you're gonna write it in a lower level programming language like C, and the that's when it becomes more kind of robust and efficient but it comes at the cost of being less human readable so languages like python and java are more human readable but you know you wouldn't write something like bitcoin in in those languages what what happens it's just too slow or they're more potential for getting hacked um it's it's more like um with those languages like in Java, for example, you would just be like, delete this variable and just move on to something else. But in C, you would want to be like, okay, look at all of the memory addresses that stored this variable and scramble all the ones to zeros. You can't just say something like delete a variable. You have to be like extremely specific about what you want to happen to each memory location. Whereas um, easier to read programming languages just at like abstract that away from you so i don't know i feel like we're getting too deep into okay, this sorry. conversation <laughs> hey, b- before that made sense to me though um wait what, what were you gonna say 
Okay. Uh, before we leave the uh, religion talk, though, uh, just a simple question. like, Why do we have in God we trust on the money? Oh, that's, that's a rabbit hole. Hold on one second. That's Three a rabbit hole? Going next week. That'd be awesome. So next week we're going to have a private suite. Uh, we've just been upgraded. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Weaver Street Market. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. All right, so why do we have God in God we trust on the dollar? I mean, shouldn't we have started that this conversation with that? That's a good point. I mean, yeah, it's, especially when we got to the point where, we, where we're suggesting that money is a religion and Bitcoin yeah. is a reformation of that religion. Yeah, because, I mean, when we had gold coins or when there's – a gold standard like in Rome and stuff like this. Did they have to print like in Jupiter and Zeus? We we trust on uh, their gold coins, or was that when, when did when did religion get combined with money, or, and why? Did we, we even know that? I know that Jesus was very angry when it happened. Just started flipping <laughs> yeah, shit. Yeah, that's true, <laughs> right? I don't think Jesus would even it. want that on the money, right? Fiercely no, worded email. Want it. He didn't. In the Bible, it says specifically that he didn't carry money either. Yeah. So I think he thought it was like essentially evil. Yeah, it's not compatible with the Sermon on the Mount. That is so weird. So, but nobody knows how that happened. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like money and Lord. I think money and religion has been uh, tied to each other for a long time, mostly just because political power has been tied to money, and but historically, religion is political has been political power. But um, at the same time, too, though. Well, of course, the dollar is much older than the gold standard. Much older than the gold standard? Like, I, like I kind of feel like, like in God we trust is just like good marketing oh, from I somebody you, who's selling a crap product. I thought you had the actual <laughs> answer. Well, th- no, 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 no. This okay. is all high. I'm just, pull- I'm just guessing that maybe. Um, but uh, is it, it? It's good marketing for a crap product. Is how do you appeal to people who don't, who you know, this used to be backed by gold. Like well, now, what is it backed by? It's like oh, so it's backed by God we now. Put trust, trust, we trust God on the you know front of the bill. Like I don't know, proof of, proof of faith, proof of faith. Yeah, I do remember hearing it was like a 1900s thing. It came up in, in, in around the Civil War, but it became oh. law in 1956, along with adding under God, one nation under God, to the Pledge of Allegiance. 1956. I yeah. thought this was way older than that. No, it, it was a Cold War thing. Like it, you, part of Cold, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you were trying to differentiate yourself from the USSR, which, which was openly Godless anti-religious Russia. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and, the, and then if you want to know what the USSR was doing at the same time, so we're like making fun of the USSR for being godless, and they're making fun of us for uh, for all the racist stuff we're doing, like leading up to the civil rights movement. So one, so it's just these two competing propaganda efforts. Instead of you fixing your own house and maybe like, you know, both were just complaining about what the other ones were doing wrong. Yeah. I always thought that was funny. That's interesting. I didn't realize it was that recent. Yeah. It did appear earlier than that. Um, in God We Trust first appeared on the two cent piece in 1864, which um, I think that's um, that's insane. But it is now. In fact, a law on the books that all American currency has to have those war- those words. Now, I, isn't trust a... That seems stupid. What I love I, our government. I, I, what I find disturbing of the phrase, in God we trust, is I think it's a pun. Right? Like, isn't trust a financial thing? Like, You, you think it's like uh, the government trolling us? 
Yeah, I think it's like in God we financial trust. Like you know that like a trust is its type of it backs organization. The money. Yeah. Oh, oh, trust. God backs the money. Where <laughs> you, sh- you should be interested here. So, <laughs> so no, I I think there's actually some. I mean, I, I'm not quite sure exactly what you're saying, but it sounds like it's on our money to kind of emphasize the importance of trusting God for our daily needs. I, I'm saying that we're. It's almost like this isn't fiat. This is backed by God. There's there's not a trust holding gold somewhere. There's trust in God itself backing up the value of this coin. But yeah, I don't get, I, I don't take that from its meaning. But that's not to say that Eisenhower wasn't an exceptionally good troll before the internet was created. <laughs> yeah. So are you saying kind of how people think that God wanted America to win some war? God also wants America's money to be valuable, kind of like that. I think it's just kind of a, a straight. No, I think the people who were doing it were scamming people, and they wanted to explicitly tell you why you should fall for the scam, which is God is backing this money. <laughs> I mean, we don't really know. I mean, maybe God is backing that money. We don't know. Right. Maybe they've got him on the red team. I think you know? God wants Bitcoin to succeed. God <laughs> definitely really wants Bitcoin to succeed. Guys. <laughs> That's Is there a... <laughs> any way we can get some help should on we, this? Should we try to um, add that to the code somewhere in God Bitcoin? We have Satoshi. Yeah. Can we make a bip to put in some I got, religious stuff? I got stuff? a little wrinkle to throw in the wording here you have for to you put guys. It into the timestamp, the so extra timestamp it, space it of every block in God we trust. It wasn't originally written in God we trust. In God is our trust, was the original wording. And later, uh, when it was put on all the currency, it switched to, in God we trust. Is there some kind of faith in humanity that needs to underlie a money? Or before Bitcoin? I would think one, before one that's, one that's artificial. I think, I think there's... Artificial faith? No, I think if the money is artificial, I think it's important to sell it with that attached. I think there is a degree of truth in, like, this is all kind of, like, silly, but I think there is a degree of truth in it that you have to believe that the money is worth something. So, like, how do we try to kind of lean in that direction that this is a trustworthy thing as many different ways as we can? Um Religion, Federal Reserve, stamp all this stuff on it. Like that's that's all currency is. It's a big look how important and trustworthy I am and who I represent and the faces of the people on it and the the God we trust. Like I think in in verification we trust. Maybe we could yeah. adopt that. See, here's the here's the definition of trust that, that I was <laughs> thinking. Don't trust verify. That it's always yeah. been a pun for this definition, where it's in in law an arrangement whereby a person, a trustee, holds property as its nominal owner for the good of one or more beneficiaries. So my opinion has, is that it was always a pun on this version. So it's almost like in God we trustee would be a, another way for saying it that would mean exactly the same thing. Yeah, that's super interesting. And also, yeah, just one of those basic things. Money is only worth something if you, we believe it is worth something. So there is that belief there. And I, I was thinking... I believe in Bitcoin because I believe that other people, once they see it, that they will see the light, that they will 
have the same values of like sound money and scarcity and decentralization and nobody in control. Like I believe that other people will see that, and that's just an act of faith on my part. The, I guess the interesting thing about they will be saved and they shall come to the light. <laughs> they want to be saved. Blessed by Satoshi. <laughs> Doors are closing to the gates, guys. Get in. The interesting about money as a uh, religious metaphor is that there are so many variants of money, but we all agree that money is a thing. So if we were to say that money is God, we all agree, agree there's a God out there and we just don't know which one to worship, which of these monies is the real money. And I think Bitcoin has like thrown his its hat in the ring. But we, none of us are like, an atheist would say we don't need money at all is in this case. So would Bitcoin be like the God of the seas or the God of love Math or... God. Uh, the god of math was was there a Roman god of math? I know I think there was a god of learning. I think it, it, Pythagorean. It, oh, yeah, I think uh, the Egyptian god there was trade. the god of trade. <laughs> uh, there was Egyptian god Thoth, T O T A T H O T H. I think it was a god of just intelligence or something like that. Maybe that's what Bitcoin is. Well, I, I really like the the Protestant Reformation metaphor. Do we go back and explain what happened, what, where money got wrong, where our religion of money got off track? Like, what is the what is the Garden of Eden of money in our opinion? Is it just the gold standard, or is it even pre before that? I think it's just emergent. I think I think whatever is like our, our Garden of Eden is the free market deciding what is the best money. But he's, he's asking, what did we leave what's from? Our origin? Yeah, there, like the Garden of Eden, there was some perfect form mm-hmm. of money that we left that yeah. we're trying to get back to. I right? guess the gold. I guess gold. Then, if if it could have been maintained, I have a different definition. Mm-hmm. I think what the ideal would be for money would be. Uh, I mean, it's hypothetical, of course. Is that you got some? Unit of exchange, because all money is just a tool for exchanging value, whether it's whatever it is. And, you know, ideal money would be something that just retained its value, its same value constantly. Like never changed value, never appreciated, never devalued, or, you know, you put 10 Bitcoin dollars or whatever worth of this perfectly ideal currency away and thousand years later it's still worth exactly the same thing which is theoretically impossible but i think that would be the ideal to define it i actually think that wouldn't be the ideal is that it would naturally need to increase in value because it was a part of the same subset of supply and because because part of money is fluctuating in response to market changes so I would say not. I would say in the the idea of it holding its value is in its holding its proportion of the total representative economy, like the, the total money supply, rather than its value per se, but its portion of the supply. So if the market becomes more valuable or less valuable, well then your money buys more or less goods, but your amount in relation to the total is always the same. I think that that would be the ideal, which is just to move. Um, uh, exchange value with supply. It's interesting what happened to money is that the value mechanism got messed up. And in a way, what happens with fiat is people claim to be, you know, you should be 
you should do something valuable and then you should be able to turn that into money. But the reality is people are doing things that are not valuable at all and money is giving them a, a pile of value for it. They're getting overpaid for their worthless work. And at the same time, other people which are doing valuable work aren't getting their fair share for the actual contribution they're making to society because they've been artificially depreciated the value of that work. Yeah, you've you've destroyed the pricing mechanism for money to actually coordinate real production, and instead you're coordinating fake money values between the people who get it first and the people who get it last. Like like that becomes the bulk of your economic activity, and so you start incentivizing things that norm like good money would never incentivize, and it becomes a job of like you know who can spin the hamster wheel faster because. The, the hamster wheel is what catches all. I can the make that hamster wheel go, baby. Yeah, 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 yeah. Get those, get that at the YMCA. Yeah, get on that treadmill and make that hamster wheel go. So I got a, I got a good conspiracy theory for you guys here, and I've been hard at work on an anagram solver um, to crack the the Bible code here. I have discovered an interesting truth about uh, the saying "In God We Trust." If you put that in an anagram solver, you get a word outresting. Which means to pull out or get possession of forcibly, extort. Oh, sorry, I don't pull out. <laughs> you know what, man? I worked for ten minutes for you to ruin my joke with that. <laughs> no, out sorry, that's that's amazing. <laughs> I, I think that's good. I think that you know the Masonic people that designed the dollar definitely could have been putting stuff that explicit into it. Well, you'd also got to skip a letter, the G, but the G did not. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was about to no, say, no, where there is, is the G, G in there? What the letter okay, I'm just going to let it go. I'm just going to let it go. Yeah. I was just walking away. <laughs> I was like, I, I was just outresting. I was like, where's God? Where's the G? <laughs> no, there, it should be at the <laughs> end with yeah, the G. There it is. I, there is one Sorry, letter missing. Okay. It's just one of the unimportant it's ones. It's probably nowhere no close. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God it is. It's just one that's wrong. There's no D either. Outresting? No, it's just. I mean, okay, excuse me. No, the all D letters is missing. But, there is a but G. One. I'm stupid. Yeah. I N G. Yeah, so it's the D oh, yeah. that's missing. I, I was thinking of the wrong letter. I'm stupid. The G is <laughs> silent. I'm sorry. I screwed that up with that. No, that's all right. It was, it was pitch perfect. Let's go me. back and I say the, in the scenario that you're fully program literate and everybody can just read the code. The next level of faith is in elliptic uh, curve cryptography. To what extent can that exist without a level of faith? Like, yeah, this is this is definitely a level of, of faith that um, certain math problems can only be solved by random guessing. I mean that it's it's called the P equals N P problem, and I mean all the math pretty much all the mathematicians in the world think that it is true that there's certain math problems like the elliptic curve problem that can basically they're one way functions. But it's not been proved. They're, it's not really provable. Uh, but yeah, that's though, the weird it? thing. It gets into the right. philosophy of math because it gets into questions mm. about like, what do you mean by proof? It, there's like, most people think that we have to come up with a different language of mathematical proof to even say anything about this question. But I think that's part. I think part of the faith in that is that we as humans all share the same limitations, and that because of that. Uh, I think part of that is in the Lindy effect. That's what makes the Lindy effect so pow so powerful is that like we can have high probability or some degree of knowing that something is very difficult or possibly true, like in in that kind of context. But is if the incentives are high, 
to make it false. If the incentives are very high to challenge that reality and it lasts for an extended period of time, it is a degree of proof that that is in fact true. Um, and I think we actually rely on that in a lot of different ways. Like, like historically, like that's what traditions and like historical moral systems are is that, you know, if, if one survives for five or 600 years, yeah, we might make incremental improvements and yeah, there may be some major things that are wrong with it, but in, as, as a whole, it is something that organizes society well. Like we, we have faith that it's Lindy effect is that there is something true about it because it works. Um, and I think this kind of applies in the same way. Is it? Yeah, it's kind of like how much money has gone into trying to prove this wrong. Exactly. <laughs> if a ton exactly. of money and has gone into it and failed it. Yeah. to it, that's a degree of proof. And how much is the honeypot sitting on the other side of the fence if someone can prove it wrong? And with yeah. Bitcoin, that's yeah. getting bigger and bigger. And yeah. it has been pretty big for quite some time. And if somebody could figure out how to break it, yeah. somebody would because there's huge profit potential in a very short period of time. Like, yeah. I was explaining Bitcoin to a new person uh, a few days ago and I went back to one of my old statements of Bitcoin is basically like a constant hacking tournament. Like people, somebody was like, Oh, what if Bitcoin gets hacked? And I was like, basically Bitcoin is a hacking tournament. <laughs> it is the, nothing but people trying to hack at it for, I mean, the proof of work mining is essentially kind of like trying to crack a password. You're essentially just hacking the cryptography. It's kind of like a, a hacking contest. What's most fascinating is there's like, like as Bitcoin itself, there's not like a, there's not like a specific thing to hack. Like it's not, well, in, okay, in the broader sense of the word of hacking, yes, but in the, in the typical understanding of it is that like who's going to break into the account that doesn't really exist with Bitcoin. It's more of a, it's, it's a communications protocol and a set of agreements. And so you're not, you're not breaking one thing. Yeah. Like technically you could break clients all day long and keep yeah. hitting it and getting into computers, but you've not changed the system. You've not attacked the system. You're just attacking people in it. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's really interesting because to some degree yeah. there's nothing to hack. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, there is nothing to hack. You can hack individual people. You can try to get their Coinbase password or something. Yeah, you could try to hack a password, meaning you can try to brute force somebody's key, which is yeah. this kind of like kind of physical law of nature that we all believe is impossible. Uh, but yeah, I mean, what else is there to hack? Well, let like, me let me point out that Ethereum was hackable and the DAO was a hack. So could someone but that was kind of, well contract. could someone explain the difference between Bitcoin and Ethereum that allowed Ethereum to be hackable but Bitcoin is not? Okay. Um I mean that's a good point because cuz what they're doing no. is they're exploiting if you, specifically a smart like a contract on Bitcoin is is hackable. True. If you've yeah. got a smart contract on there, if you've got a time lock verify, it's hackable. It seems extremely unlikely you'll find the hack, but it's hackable. Yeah. I just want to challenge the premise. Ethereum, many people would argue, was not hacked. That's true too. That's a great. That's point. a good point. Well, well, it's see, you're, we're just like really subjectively getting into the terms, the the ambiguous term of hacking, because in the broader sense, hacking hacking really is just uh, taking advantage of what is allowed to do something that is not intended. 
Okay. You know, so like the DEO is a hack in that sense. DAO, DAO is, yeah. uh, is a hack in that sense. But in the sense that you're meaning is that, well, yeah, it was totally allowable though. Like it was, it didn't, they didn't break the contract. They just, ex, they just ran the contract in a way that nobody wanted them to. Um, so I think that's maybe really where our hacking lies in the context of like Bitcoin is that could someone do something within the rules that no one intended to do, like create more coins than are necessary? Are the rules safe from being yeah. ambiguous or are they objective yeah. and defined? If So in this DAO hack, somebody exploited a kind of bug in the scripting language that the contract was written in. An unintended use, yeah. But a valid and ex- like execution of it, but one that nobody wanted to be a valid route. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. If so, Bitcoin does have very minimal scripting. Like that's what pay to script hash is. Is you submit a script to the Bitcoin system. If there was a bug in that scripting language that allowed someone to spend a Bitcoin address without providing the signature then I would definitely consider that Bitcoin is hacked. hacked. Yeah. <laughs> For Even though sure. it's within the consensus rules, it's a it's a yeah. way to trick them from what they were supposed to secure. Right. Yeah. But I, I find that I think in Ethereum, because it's that's where you get into what type of language this is written in. Because when you write in like the lower language, that kind of scripting stuff, you can Sometimes you can even mathematically prove that a scripting language is secure if it's written in a low-level computer code. That's why people like Rust and um, Haskell. You guys heard of those? Like those two languages lend themselves to mathematical provability of kind of there are no um, there are no holes in the ship. Like yeah, there's no way to. And I think that shines yeah. a really, really bright light on the extreme differences between the development philosophies is that, like, that's explicitly why Bitcoin, like, it, like it's so funny, like, like, people will say that, like, Bitcoin's not valuable because its development is stagnant or because it can't do many things. And it's like, no, Bitcoin is valuable because it can't do many things. And, like, the fewer scripts we have that we absolutely 100% can audit and prove that they are secure, then the better the value is maintained and the security is maintained within the system. Whereas where if we're just moving fast and breaking things, we have the potential of just causing, like just having a $200 billion disaster on our hands because we're doing it on consensus code that everyone is running. It's the worst strategy ever for how to actually design and produce security in a virtual environment. Bitcoin is minimum, minimal viable money. Um, I also I want to point out that an anagram of Bitcoin is biontic, which means which means biology. And I was or biological. And, and Bitcoin, Bitcoin is, is indeed a living organism. So I, I'd also like to point out that part of what went wrong with Satoshi's the DAO, original intent with the DAO was they actually did the same thing that America did, where they put in God we trust on their money. But the, but the Dow is a reli- the Dow is like a religious thing, right? Yeah. Dow is. You mean a, when they said code is law? No, no. Just calling it Dow is like the Dow is a thing. It's like it's this well, Eastern it's just, religion. The, I think and the fact no, that I think that's just a coincidence. I don't. 
It do, it's, you think they did it on purpose, though? Is that what you're saying? They definitely did it. They, they did, did the stupid pun. They did the really? stupid pun on purpose, and the Dow punished them. Is that? Is this that just is, your? I'm a hunt. I, this is not. I'm not joking. I'm, really? That is what oh, you remember there back was then? something okay. yeah. slightly that, religious about it. Yeah, they didn't just pick it. I like Taoism, by the way. Taoism is nice. really good. It's not a religion, though. It's a way of life, right? Philosophy. Wait, what is Taoism? What is Taoism? <laughs> it's like an Eastern religion. Taoism is just kind of the way like things Taoism. are. You can't describe it. Yeah. Yeah. But if, it, it, if it ever unknowable. clicks with you, it's amazing. You have to like really. Okay. It just kind of clicks. One one of my favorite verses <laughs> from the Tao is the Tao is older than God, and it's kind of like Buddhism. So that even okay. even the even God is conforming to this ideal of goodness that's beyond. It's, it's like actual it's, implementation. It's, it's the way, as in 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 contrast to the thing or the like, what is it's like, yeah, and it's also like Maybe. the Tao is not afraid of the highest or lowest of things. Like it's it's like it's the, uh, yeah, the yin and the yang. Yeah, it's like it it knows there's evil in the world. You know, evil is part of yeah. It's evil is part of life. Mm-hmm. It's not fighting it like a valiant god would fight. It's just it, it's not accepting everything as it is. Reading about this and it's not, it, well, it's not. It's not going to evil exists. It's not happy that evil exists, but it knows evil exists. It knows like accepting it and like evil is there's you know something caused evil to exist. It's a process. You know, someone evil has to balances be the good. Yeah. yeah, I'm actually not. It's, so like BSV balances Bitcoin. I can't really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was a lot about the limitations of language. And you know, okay, yeah, being yeah. able to express. Oh no, that's exactly. great. That's that's, yeah. that's great stuff because I think that's yeah. that's one of the God, such a huge fault in like the idea of actually making sense of religion yeah. and the idea of making sense of what people who had an entirely different context and had a very abstract like their view of the world a thousand years ago, nothing like ours today. Like, also, we're very literal empir- empirical people today. And, yeah. There's also a Moloch dial now. That's yeah. the evil uh, owl that all the guys at the oh, yeah, Bohemian yeah. Grove used to worship. There is, yeah, Moloch, Moloch Dow. If you look it up, it'll. Is that on Bitcoin or is it? It's on Ethereum. Uh, I'm not sure. Get it back. To watch some trippy YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> getting back to that sure Dow hack. Hours, though, at least. <laughs> that's always been super interesting to me. That code is law. <laughs> Do you remember that debate? Yeah, I, I mean, I liked it because it is code is law. I remember people described it as the Old Testament God. It's like, I only said, Moses, you're not allowed to strike that rock. Even if you're dying from thirst, you struck <laughs> the rock, you're not going to heaven. That is, That was the Old Testament God. And there was something about seeing an Old Testament God compete with a New Testament God, which was going to be fun. And then they got away from the Old Testament God immediately. You know, So Vitalik is the New Testament God? Uh, I don't know if there isn't. Is there a project that stuck with the code is law? I mean, Ethereum Classic. Ethereum I don't know. Classic. It, but it's dead. That's Ethereum the Old Testament? cannot claim that at all. Yeah. So, I feel like Bitcoin's the Old Testament in a way. It, it might be the closest to the thing. That, like, <laughs> Bitcoin's the closest the, to The rules are there and the rules can't that, be changed. You have to follow yeah. them, you know? Yeah. But see, there, there's actually... Uh, do you remember when uh, Zabo uh, blocked Hasu? on Twitter, like that, that thread, this was actually kind of what it was about. Um, and I, I wish he hadn't blocked him because I wanted to see them go at it because Hasu talked about like, like if code is law, then if there is an exploit, then the exploit is valid. Like if it's within the code, like, and the, and so Hasu was, if code even, is law, then bug is law. 
Nimbug, Nimbug is the law, exactly. So there is some sort, there is a social consensus around this as well as what the code is supposed to enforce. Um, and that seems to trump, like, like, I feel like if somebody exploited the code right now to produce a billion coins, the code is not law. 21 million is law. And that is a social consensus. That is an I, that is yeah. the conceptual idea of what Bitcoin is. And yeah. I will gladly that's fork protocol. to 21 million if that's yeah. what it takes. That's the difference between Back the code to, and, the, and the protocol. Exactly. Because the protocol involves humans. Yeah. Humans right. enforcing it. Yeah. Um, and what their interpretation of it is, like, for the results of it. Um, but, uh, uh, of course, it was kind of like Hasu went off, like, a little bit and was like, uh, immutability is not is not because it's, like, there's the fallback to social consensus, which I think that's just like kind of the end game of if everything else falls apart, there is an idea of Bitcoin. But in the everything in the meantime, the system is maintained and enforced by code. So the code is the law, but it is our obligation to interpret that law in the cases where it doesn't stand up, like right. where it falls apart. It kind of reminds me of a jury trial. Like I used to think... Code is law. I used to think this kind of thing was possible that you didn't need human interpretation of things, but I don't. I don't think that way anymore. And I think it relates to why we still want jury trials. We still want humans involved in the application of the law process. And shaking his head over there, you, you still want a, a common sense <laughs> element that would protect people from being. <laughs> Jared's, Jared's like you guys have like, never picked a jury. I, I want to. I want to. I want to just give you guys an yeah. illustration of this this one CLE I go to every year. What is CLE? What's CLE? Uh, continual legal education. Okay. Lawyers are required to do uh, twelve per year. Um, I go to the CLE. It lasts all day. So I'm there for 12 hours, but I only get six CLE credits, which is the fucking scam. But it's, it's everything's a scam. The first part of uh, the day is is basically 90% of the time you spend there. And it's made up of watching some guys try a case in front of a jury that is made up of temp workers who have been brought in to act as a jury. They're told they're going to be participating in an actual trial. Okay? So it's weird. So these people are, are are told it's like an alternative dispute resolution trial, but it's done in front of a real jury. And then they sign these waivers because no one reads waivers. They put the jury to deliberate on the case they've just watched with hidden cameras in the room. And we get to watch them go through the process of making their decision. And it is, imagine a drunken monkey, horny to make sexy, sexy time with a football. But he just can't get it up. But he's going to try anyway. But he's going to pump Wait. that thing as hard as it possibly can Wait, go. Wait, this is the jury? To no the, avail. The monkey is the jury? Yes. We need the some... drunk, drunk monkey is horny for justice, could... but it goes nowhere. <laughs> could we give some Horny examples? for justice? I mean, is a judge any better? <laughs> a judge is better. A, 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 a bench trial tends to make more sense for a lot of things, but juries are notoriously bad. They don't listen. They don't pay attention, and juries suck. Yeah. So what, what are you seeing? What's going wrong in the room? They don't listen, and people have the attention span to listen to about ten minutes of something before they lose interest. Well, I think I think part of this is in the fact that like what what you say about we need juries, like like all, all of this is human dependent, right? Like. Everyone making the judgments and decisions here, like there needs to be human humans involved because it is human judgment that we need. 
Like it is, it is upon human values that we want to execute these things and some sort of human consensus as to what all the hell of it, what all the shit means. Um, so like in theory, yes, we want something like juries because we want, you know, humans making these judgments, but yeah, most people are absolutely idiotic. So what that entails or what that in implies here is that the system of how to decide which humans are involved in this is really really bad but there is again we have markets like we know how to find the people who are good at stuff and the people who suck at stuff and choose one versus the other like we need a market to sort out what the hell that sort of a system needs to be in law so that we don't get stuck with idiot you know horny monkeys wanting to <laughs> wanting to sex up justice have their way with justice <laughs> so yeah so unanimous jury unanimous decisions that's what you need from a jury it has to be unanimous think about how mediocre an average person is okay you got that person in your head you may know him as ray or steve or bob just <laughs> kidding um but but that average person half of all people are dumber than him and that is half of the jury, potentially. And one of them just has to have misheard something. That's all it takes. So it's just inaccurate information is what's going around in the in the jury room that's causing tries. They just don't pay attention or they don't get enough. They don't care enough to pay enough attentions for the, the requisite period of time. Even if they couldn't pay attention for the requisite period of time, they, they don't care enough to bother with the administration of justice and that's why a good story is way more powerful than the truth no because the truth is typically boring or just kind of inconvenient or awkward and like a list of events whereas a good story as to why this person did this and who this sort of person is is just eaten up so because wh- it's interesting that's why this kind of people are chosen to be on juries yeah. why did this even go to well, trial a smart person on like, was there, when you do this experimental case, is there a clear, correct answer for how the jury should decide and they're messing it up? Or no, was it actually, uh, they could have come up with so guilty, really not guilty, question. and both would be valid so answers. So this is not a criminal trial. This is a trial of damages only. So liability has been settled. The person was liable. The question is, are they liable for $1 or a million dollars or something in between? Um, so the jury knows that they have to award something. But oftentimes they don't. Yeah, I don't think human tri- or juries are good at those sort of trials. But I think juries are necessary for any sort of any sort of trial that would involve a violent outcome, such as jail time or like if or any response to a violent crime, basically. But like financial stuff, of course, an average person off the street doesn't understand how to assess what's going on. Oh, I think they're just bad at all of the assessments. It doesn't matter if it's a criminal or civil or. Uh, case the juries are just bad people are bad listeners and they're bad at remembering facts and they don't recall details and they fill in the blanks is that the big is that the big issue that it, I, you don't think it's like that they have bad morals or that they don't understand it's just that they suck at listening no, i think they just attention? don't give a shit to care but isn't it the lawyer's people job ha- to god like, they would hate me if i was on the jury is it the lawyer's job to like get this information across clearly as effectively as possible yeah that's why we want to understand what happens to the monkeys behind the closed door. Like how people process information. How do you tell someone to remember a number and to go back to that back room where there are no lawyers, where no one can come in there and explain concepts again 
to put down a good number or put down a number. They, they often even have a hard time after the judges told them, after they get written instructions, even coming up with an idea that they have to write a number down, that, that a number is even needed. It doesn't matter how many times you explain someone as something in a classroom, there's always some people in that classroom that are not going to get the task because they don't have enough care to devote to the task at hand. And they just, well, I'm just going to go with whatever everyone else says. And wouldn't you suck if your liberty or your wow. money or your freedom was was at the hands of someone who said, oh, you know what? I'm just going to do whatever that guy does. Dude, I never even thought about that. But that is a great way. To, that's frightening to think about that. This is a classroom of people that are being taught a subject with a series of events and details and like supposed the legal implications of all of this and then asking them to take the test. And whether or not you are guilty or innocent is based on how well they can assess the information related to that subject. It's, yeah, well, they don't care about I the subject. I would never trust. Like, they're, they're essentially in summer school or detention. Like, they're only there because yeah. the government has made them be there, and they have to take this class. Yeah, they don't get any value out of it. They're and not they're, there to they're learn They're not something. there because they care about this sort of trial in particular. They're going to end up on the thing they find most boring, some sort of corporate law settlement thing. It's, it's problematic. The, I mean, I think I have this conception that back sometime in early America, this is like rose-colored glasses or whatever, there was a sense of duty or service, and it used to be called civil servants. You know, people used to serve like they were volunteering, like they were doing a good job for somebody. It feels like that sentiment is completely gone now with government employees and with uh, people with jury duty just acting like they hate to be there. We don't want to be servants of a blatantly corrupt system. Like the system has no legitimacy. Why should we degrade ourselves think, all the way to the servants of it? Could they use okay. like new citizens yeah. who really believe in like – you know, they're really happy to be here. Well, Illegal aliens that? only on and, the jury. <laughs> well, think about it. Think about it. Though. How do you how do you decide that? And how do you make sure that the people who also value that are the ones deciding that that should be the value? Like well, you, you run into like this loop of like if people don't value to select those sorts of people, then how do you select those sorts of people? But at the same time, it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Also, um, but these jury members are usually no corners and pre corners so do we even care i mean they're not even going to heaven well we so, certainly i mean we certainly don't want them involved in our court case <laughs> imagine if you had to try a, a case uh, a civil case involving bitcoin to a non-technical group of people who have awful. no idea <laughs> absolutely i mean think i would love the to do that lawsuits. i mean i would fail at it miserably but i'd love to try in the court now, All right, everybody. I'm trying to understand <laughs> well, what a Bitcoin is. And- well, yeah, this one goes to. I think that what e- Virgil. Uh, this is another story we'll get to, but because it's kind of related to the legal Let's thing, Virgil Griffith is guilty no matter what he's accused of because he's accused of something technical that he can't prove he didn't do. By the US Someone government. else has made up a crime. What you can't prove that what they're saying is a is crime is not a crime. The, it's what already has he been accused of doing? What? So yeah. what? Who's got the details on the this? Because this sounds. Absolutely insane. So I think he was in North Korea teaching about Ethereum. Prior to going to North Korea, he asked the United States government for, and I don't know if he was living in the U.S. or he's a U.S. citizen, but he asked the U.S. government for permission to go to North Korea, um, and he told them what he was going for, and that was declined. Okay. Uh, 
Um, but he went to he 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 got a what is it called a visa from North Korea, like permission to go. So he got permission from North Korea. He posted a picture of that photo on Twitter, a, a photo of that of his visa on Twitter. He covered out the number. That's that's the only okay, background. So I that have. changes that changes my impression because my my interpretation is like, how do they even just pick this? Like 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 where how did how did they just be like, oh, Virgil Griffith? Here's this person who, like, how? There's no way this is the only person who's ever gone to North Korea. And he's, a, he's a known Ethereum and developer. happened to have a conversation about Bitcoin or blockchain a, or a, Ethereum. There's a blockchain or conference. You know, like, yeah, and he spoke about getting around sanctions after having asked the U.S. government if he could do this, and then they said no. So that's why they were. That's why there's a light on him to. Uh, actually arrest him i, I mean, believe it's still absolutely certain it doesn't change the situation at all it's stupid as shit but i i think he hasn't actually he is he so it's conspiracy to violate a law and whatever law it was was some sort of is that a, his actual charge yeah okay. conspiracy to violate the specific law and that's well, specific, breaking of u.s sang, uh, of sanctions and the law was an emergency act to to give sanctions against north korea and sanctions are not different from tariffs they're exactly the same it's they, they have the same consequence they're exactly the same in every way. The only difference is the government will kill you for violating one at the gallows and feel good about it like psychopaths. And the other one, they'll be like, oh, just pay the taxes you didn't pay. <laughs> no, violating them are both are crimes. Yeah. But one of them, they'll kill you like a maniac. A traitor. Tra- yeah, treasonous. They'll lie and say you committed treason one and kill you. One they will destroy you and the other they will just make you pay. Yeah. It's slap on the hand. Yeah. Do you think that this is the state uh, cluing in or showing us that they are kind of concerned about cryptocurrency being used to evade sanctions? I mean, we all have known this is coming for a long time. I've, is this, I've openly yeah. endorsed it, which is apparently questionable. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean? I've Who's, openly endorsed that we that we need to ve- to create technologies that make sanctions impossible. Oh yeah, you're because dead. because the because the United Nations understands that sanctions are are an act of war. Um, and so, yeah, I'm I'm a pacifist, so I oppose technology that allows you to, you know, create wars. Now, this is yeah, I think and this is would, definitely going to be something that's very important going. It forward. would be very it's... concerning, I think, to all of us if, for example, you were arrested for speaking that view. Right, mm-hmm. that's where alarm bells are going off my mind. In this case of Virgil Griffith, and I don't know the details, but the understanding if he did what I just said, um, which is. He asked for permission to go to North Korea. We all know you're breaking a law just going to North Korea. So this doesn't make me think the government is going Wait, rogue. Are you not allowed to travel to North Korea? Yeah. You can't travel to yeah, North Korea. Oh, I didn't know that. What? Okay. You have to go through other countries. Unless no, you're the you worm, Dennis Robbins. You, tra- you, you couldn't travel to Cuba until very, very recently. No, I thought you still could, but you couldn't go directly. Like it was, You weren't allowed I, to go I, at they, all. They, was, they don't stamp your passport because you can't go. Oh. I thought tra- travel was a complete moratorium. Hmm. I, I thought that's that was absurd. the case. Right. Yeah. It's, it's illegal. That's absurd yeah. that they can just like draw. Just we're just draw. This is, here's this space on the globe. It's not. We don't own it. We don't own it. It's not ours. But, but you just can't go there. But to me, this, they haven't crossed the line beyond 
the equivalent of like, you didn't pay your taxes, you're going to jail. We know we have mm-hmm. the government has rules. We in this room probably don't like a lot of those rules. Mm-hmm. I love them. This guy clearly went. Record, I like all of them. <laughs> he makes money on all of them, <laughs> especially the confusing and stupid ones. <laughs> we need more rules. Do you, do you, so it's it's clearly against the law. He knew he was breaking the law. Like I, I get all that. Do you think though that it was kind of a cool breaking the law, like an Edward Snowden kind of a. You're glad that he did it, and it kind of shows some kind of deeper moral conviction for doing it. Or do you think he's? I ju- kind of have. Is he just doing it for respect the- for him? I don't. I don't like, think like he should. If, if if he like stood up to it, like I I believe he did the more moral thing. Is yeah. that like he he actually said this is this is an absurd immoral law, and these are people. It doesn't matter what piece of dirt they were born on um so like how I, many people would it take to go to north korea before it no longer was a, a violation of the law that's a good question aren't because how, 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 how many how many people smoked pot before, before well how many people smoked pot today yeah. <laughs> well it's still legal in, in started making it legal 25 like, states the, the right not really it's not it's not is there it's a gray market yeah. some places it maybe I don't even know if it's a gray market. It's still basically a black market. Like no, is it only are things only legal if the banks will give you a bank account for it? Are are the banks the new deciders of what uh, businesses are legal and illegal? If the they're federal, being used as an enforcement mechanism, the federal certainly. government could arrest anybody selling pot in a dispensary in California. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. The federal government can it's arrest illegal. them right yes. now. They yeah. do it on occasion. Mm-hmm. Every well, once in a while, they just go in and they just raid, raid the place, do all the computers. There's nothing right. about following the rules in California that stops you from getting arrested for selling something that's illegal on the federal level. Yeah, but I, I like the idea of the ethical and moral obligation to go to North Korea. I don't have, I don't have a lot of desire to go to federal prison, but I love the idea of standing up for something that I don't agree with. And if a bunch of people decided... Like like three percent of America's population decided to go vacation in North Korea. Area fifty one. Yeah, I don't would, have the balls to do it, but I totally support it. Uh, yeah, I would like support the hell out of you going. Like, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, like to think that what what that would do to the North Korean economy. People would see all these people coming in and be like, "Oh, should fire. Maybe we should no not do it." This way, maybe let's get to North Korean beaches. Do they have beaches? In North well, Korea? Here, this They've completely shattered my expectations for what North Korea is, and that might be part of why they're going after this guy hard. Is there's a propaganda effort against North Korea, and I've always assumed it was basically true. But the idea you would have an Ethereum conference in North Korea, I didn't think that was blockchain. or a blockchain conference in North Korea doesn't seem possible. That seems like something that only at least a a moderately free society would be able to be like, who's interested in blockchain? Who wants to like organize a convention? People are going to come and watch talks. People are interested in hearing those talks. Like if you're, if it's such a personality cult around a single dictator, why would anyone be interested in Bitcoin in North Korea? Like they're just brainwashed is what we've been told. You know, it. Yeah. I didn't understand that either. How that conference was even there. Well, the guy in charge, you know, he's raised in Europe. So Western Europe. The, the guy who organized the conference or the guy who got arrested? No, the... Uh, Virgil Griffin. What's his name? Oh, uh, the... Uh, yeah. The yeah. head of uh, North Korea. <laughs> it's actually... I, I'll tell what's you... Mr. President Tsar. It's not particularly relevant, but I'll give you some background about what happened in North Korea um, geopolitically over the last 20 years. Is Kim Jong-un's uh, yeah, <laughs> father... 
um, oh no, no, his grandfather was president up until I think the two, uh, maybe 2001 or so. And that guy wanted to do unification with South Korea. So he was going to get, you know, make peace between North Korea and South Korea. But the journals, uh, the generals of North Korea did not want this to happen. So they assassinated, you know, the dictator, which is, you know, this great Praetorian Guard thing. So what they've done is they've killed him. They put, who is next in line? Kim Jong-il. Kim Jong-il now is president. He's the dictator of the country. dad. Grandfathered. Grandfather, dad, and now the son. So I don't know what the so, grandfather so name the fa- is. The, the Il is, is no. Un is the current president. Il, Il is, is the father. father. So anyway, Il takes over. He knows the generals murdered his father, but he's still the dictator of this country. So he's got this weird situation where he knows he he's now seen the limitations of what he's allowed to do because he his father went too far and killed him. So in theory, he's both the all, all powerful and the generals have a lot of power. And so this was going to happen for a while and be all good. But then that guy died really young, like in his 50s. And this kid who was just hanging out in Europe studying is suddenly the president of the country. And nobody he's an unknown entity because he was too young. No one's really propagandized him either in North Korea or Western culture. He's just been thrust in charge. And we don't know much about him. And... It is an actual hermit's um, kingdom where we, we get no good intelligence. There's no – if you show up as a CIA asset in Korea, you're immediately identifiable. You can't blend in at all. So we have no no actual on-the-ground intelligence apparently. You know, as uh, – like it's been a very long time since I have enjoyed or thought any presidential candidate had any value whatsoever, anything but just a giant pile of garbage. But I'm very glad that we don't just have to wait until Kim Jong-un dies and get his son or next in line. I'm very happy that that is not the situation that we are currently in. I think you all not, shitty candidates aside. <laughs> you're not. You need to Yang look Yang. at the Supreme Court more seriously and realize that that is exactly what it's there for: is to make sure that these people who are completely unaccountable, not elected, can do. You know, it's they're they're the the worst part of America's legal system, in my opinion, and they are the, just a committee Supreme of dictators. Court. Yeah. How much Bitcoin does Kim Jong Un own, and does he hold his own private keys? Apparently, six point one five. Six point one five. He definitely holds his own keys. How could North Korea be definitely. having a Bitcoin summit and not have a lot of Bitcoin? They like, have a lot they, of Bitcoin. They mined it. They don't know how to use it. Also, like, could what, they have ten thousand? Ten thousand would be on the low side for being willing to have a conference like that. You know? Yeah. Right. They might have a hundred thousand plus. Also, interesting that they're using the word blockchain instead of Bitcoin. Also, I find there's an interesting, there's an interesting dichotomy there, like that it's actually most likely for the most corrupt governments around the world to have the most amount of Bitcoin, to ha- have the highest balances of Bitcoin, specifically because they are, are they, they more, have the, they're, they're more less concerned about any like transparency or being honest or anything. Well, the most resources to waste uh, on yeah, yeah. generating. I would say I would say they're not well. necessarily more or less corrupt. They might just be more overtly corrupt. We are probably more corrupt. You think we're more corrupt in scale and we're, just not we're corrupt, corrupt in America's like, corrupt. degree? Let's say sure. America is corrupt in the way where if a kid is drowning in the middle of a pool, we all just stand there and watch it happen. 
Are, <laughs> the rules. Somebody else called it's, it's, right? it's a, We're on pool break. The pool break rules say we're not allowed to jump in to save the person who's drowning. Follow the rules. That's America's corruption. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting way to put it. When it comes to countries owning Bitcoin, the problem that I go to every time is who actually owns the keys. I mean, okay, so these like um, multi-signature like key signing ceremonies and stuff, these are just now starting to come online where it, you know, people are comfortable with key signing ceremonies for organizations as a whole to own Bitcoin. But these things are just coming online now. So whenever I try to think about uh, somebody like North Korea owning Bitcoin or somebody like Iran or, you know, any country really is like, who actually has the private key? Like, because is a is a president really going to say like, yeah, IBM, um, your IT guy, you know, he's got the private key. Yeah. Like, like literally like who who is the person that has the private key? It can only be the president. It's funny the like when you're talking about like gold. Like, yeah, yeah multi sig. So so who are no, but still. So who are the the multi sig people? It, it it can't be the contractor's IT person. It, that can't happen. It has to be a very significant person himself who literally owns the key. And I just don't see any world leaders actually understanding bitcoin well enough to own a private key yeah that's part of the problem is that like it's not like if, if they got money in a bank or gold like in a vault somewhere their authority is what makes them own it yeah. but in this situation there is still just somebody with the keys yeah somewhere. and in bitcoin not, if you have the keys irrelevant. you are the owner yeah so if like it's not the country who doesn't matter if like they're even using a, con- a custodian it's the custodian they're, they're definitely going to use Bitcoin, not right not, yeah not the country they can, they can still lose it all they can just yeah. vanish just so like that. I, for that reason i think that actually no countries or major organizations really own significant amount of bitcoin right now i think you're right but i think they will own it and they're not going to hold their own private keys that everything's outsourced i mean yes. the legislator doesn't even write the laws why do we think they would all hold their it own actually, private keys it would actually be a legitimate use for yeah, the exactly. like reserve banking system so like like with the federal reserve if you actually had a key spread among every federal reserve bank like all what is it 12 um and then you had like three or four different people in each of those institutions splitting up each of those individual keys that would actually be a useful, valid use for the Federal Reserve System that would be the only thing that they did that was not directly corrupt and abusive and manipulative to the economy. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, the, the only way I can see it happening is, let's say, like Lockheed Martin or something. Well, let's say if the U.S. decided to own Bitcoin, how would it do it? Who would actually have the private keys for the multisig? It would, I mean... The Congress people wouldn't have the private keys themselves. I don't think the president would have it themselves. It would probably be a contract given to Lockheed Martin, right? And then maybe it'd be like a five of seven or like an 11 of 13 of the vice presidents of Lockheed Martin, right? Here's the interesting thing, though, is like, that let's say it is like contract about the Lockheed Martin and they have a crap ton of Bitcoin. They have like, you know, 300,000 Bitcoin or something insane like that. And then we go through two hype cycles. And uh, it's it's 2030, and each coin is worth, you know, $10 million. And they have enough money to buy more than half the debt for the U.S. government. 
what does Lockheed Martin do? Do they, if they're holding the keys, two well, girls at the same time. do they just <laughs> do they buy the United States so that they don't have to answer to the United States? Are they still holding the keys for someone else, or are they holding the keys? Yeah, huh. nah, that's a good question. I don't know. North Korea is a great choice for the first country to get involved with a blockchain because they're the country that cares most about sovereignty. They care about sovereignty so much that after World War II, they said, we're not participating in the world at all. We don't. We've seen what happens. We've been colonized by Japan and China our entire existence. We're going to just do our own thing. We just want to be able to have full control. And it's also the best place to create an adversarial adversarial environment to test all of the security like to test the 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 degree of resiliency in the system is that if you've got a little uh petri dish of all right governments are going to come after us and start testing things and seeing if they can stop it from crossing the border and putting a firewall around north korea Hmm. like it's actually a great way to poke the bear and see if our defenses are bear proof <laughs> yeah I, I mean i think north korea is probably a bad country i think there probably are prison camps just killing people i think they probably wiped out minority ethnic groups so i think north korea is a terrible choice if you're trying to do some sort of political statement like someplace like iran even though it's demonized would be much better than north korea which seemingly has no re- redeeming qualities um it, it was it's just an odd choice north korea um Especially Ethereum was an odd choice. Why are you teaching Ethereum to North Korea, not Bitcoin? Yeah, that's the that's, <laughs> Ethereum's like the centralized. Doesn't it have shit, more like control? Can, Isn't that what they want? Maybe. Yeah, that's, that's, maybe they want to shut the port. They want Nobody's going to have it. Nobody has a node inside of North Korea. Ethereum feels like the that's central so bank. Yeah. I mean, in a way, yeah. I'm, version of Bitcoin. If you can get, a, I mean, maybe they just want to get hooked up to the Maker DAO and get like actual dollars that are somewhat. Well, you know, that's all they want. Yeah. Something simple like that. They don't want to get as risky as Bitcoin. I mean, in a way, I'm happy that it was, you know, it went in the news as the blockchain conference and Ethereum developer and Bitcoin kind of like stayed out of the news. Like the word Bitcoin kind of stayed out of it. I mean, it's kind of weird because the only thing that actually is, you know, bulletproof enough to help avoid sanctions is Bitcoin. Like yeah. nothing else about blockchain technology like comes anywhere close. But again, all these other but, shit coins are the, the the shit coin shield for Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like that. It's kind of like another chess match. Yeah. Pawns I mean, it, and a king. It, it seems weird though that even the yeah, the pawns. attorney general or the Department of Justice, when they put out that release, actually did a control F search for Bitcoin, and it didn't even yeah, appear not, once. And yeah. it almost gave me the hope of like you know how during those Senate hearings with. Facebook and Libra, Bitcoin was starting to seem like the good money mm-hmm. in a way. Like, like Libra was the, one the bad not one. This one thing that we should be focusing on. Yeah, it's kind of like yeah. Bitcoin is all of a sudden <laughs> seeming like the the good currency. Yeah, Li- Libra yeah. seems like TikTok. Like, <laughs> you know, it seems disposable yeah. and cheap. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's funny though. Is that it? Really does that? Is that Bitcoin is just like the default, the one that's there. And then all these other ones are the ones that are companies and groups of people that are specifically trying to do things right. and change things. But Bitcoin just is. Also yeah. cowardly yeah. committees. It's, awesome. yeah. it's like we need to get 100 people on board because we are all we don't want to do it by ourselves. So let's just you know, we'll cowardly join hands 
and marched forward. And then quickly, you just saw like people were like, ah, I'm scared. And they all started breaking away. <laughs> they all, they, none of them actually wanted to do it alone and be the first mover. And then they couldn't even stick together. <laughs> do you think uh, Virgil did this just for the Twitter followers? Just he thought he might get a couple hot chicks. I think so. I think it's, it w- I think he might have done so, this Wait, kind of irresponsible. For, for, uh, uh, breaking breaking the the rule or the sanction or whatever yeah he's just bringing the sanction going just for the do it for the gram man uh you know (laughs) i'll give him the benefit of the doubt he had a moral he had moral reasons he was was taking a big i heard edward snowden just did his stuff for for instagram he just just wanted to get on tv his previous big action was tracking wikipedia edits so that people could find out who had been editing what pages and if you remember when there were a bunch of scandals about congressmen or congress staffers editing certain wikipedia pages and corporations editing sort of wikipedia pages that was found out using software he developed okay quick question um uh taking back a little bit actually is a is virgil going to have a jury trial and what monkeys what do you does anybody think he is anything other than screwed? I think he'll have a deal some kind of deal where he I think he'll get some really good jury members that are gonna think long and hard is this and be a jury co- trial? comprehend is this, no, like legit, does anybody know? Are you looking around? It is well, it, he can elect he can, he can elect, elect to have a jury, jury trial. trial. Um likelihood he'll take a plea deal. Okay. Do you, does the plea deal seem reasonable, or will it be like rough? Will it be five years or something? Yeah, because I mean, they... you always offer the you always offer the carrot, and you hold the stick. The if if everyone if I ever win the lottery, I'm going to go down to Durham County. I'm going to hire every lawyer I can see. I'm going to pay them to to take every case to trial for the clients to be done free pro bono legal services, and take every matter trial to show the DA in Durham County that you can just call 10% of the cases for trial and tie up the entire court system for a year. If just 10% of the people say, I want a trial, the, the, the entire system grinds to a halt. It all survives just on the... Why are you trying to make accusing people point. of the biggest, of the, the most possible potential for damages and punishment so that they'll take 20% of it without wasting time. So so the point I'm trying to make is, and I think that's a, it's an excellent analysis, is that the incentive to take a plea far outweighs the risk of going to a, to a trial. And so the pleas are usually designed as an incentive to to give you such a low risk, such a low consequence in light of what you've been accused that even people that are innocent well willing to accept something as opposed to sitting in custody what, what is therefore what what is your so so what? so, so um, is there this guy here this guy uh, Virgil yeah. he's gonna take a plea deal and I'd be shocked if he didn't but do you because th- it's usually uh, the risk and the cost associated with going to a trial the bond that he would have to pay is going to be insane. Yeah, if your pretty plea big... deal is less than what it would just cost to pay your lawyer and everything just to even have a good, fair trial, I mean, if your plea deal is less than that, well, then the prosecutors get get a guilty. Like, th- like, it looks good for everybody. It makes the government look legit. It's like, well, they took a plea. Of course they were guilty. Like, yeah. no questions asked. We won this. So- we won this morally and technically, and then they just paid us a big fat check, which is what we all... Which is what we it is an place. utter perversion of justice that plea deals exist. Yeah. 
Oh, is that is that true? I I, I think it is. I think that's my personal opinion. So did the, it's, a it's a perversion of justice that plea deals exist. When did they? To, when it's did a this... way to threaten people to get them to say I'm guilty of something that's not true? Yeah. When did this come out? Is this a, is plea deals a modern phenomenon? It's not something. I have no idea. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure. See, so it's, mo- it's an interesting question though because um, what 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 it does is incentivize mostly poor people mm-hmm. to avoid going to trial and you've heard this you've seen it on the internet it's people that are of means can afford to fight they can afford to post a bond they can afford have, have you ever seen a really famous person not go to trial even oh. when the the entirety of what they've done is openly and obviously against them what about the, the college scandal yeah they the so there's some plea deals happening sure but like that's the um exception not the rule okay. i would be i would I would assume that that's the exception and not the rule. Well, here my fear is that uh, they're going to do life in prison if he is the threat for if he doesn't take the plea deal, and they'll do something like ten years as the plea deal. I don't think he's going to get a good plea deal here at all. I don't think there's any incentive for um, the U.S. to not hit him as hard as possible. You know. Why should they not make it look like you're just going to be have your life ruined for violating their authority? It feels like it's whether or not they decide to make a point or to use him to. But know. isn't isn't this a point? The whole thing is he, it's a point. The only reason he's been arrested is to prove a point to people. So why would they go soft on the people they're trying to prove a point to? He's gonna yeah, so. he's gonna be the example. He's he might I think ten uh, percent suicide chance they'll kill him and call it a suicide. Just like Aaron Schwartz. So, um, the a single counter conspiracy to violate the International Emergency Economic Power Act carries a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison. And there are um, plea deals that I've just been browsing. I have not looked up any circuits or any districts where these have happened, but some of them are as low as 30 months. Okay. Some of them, depending on how many times you violate and how severe the violations are, it could be a maximum of... 20 years in jail and it's ultimately in the judge's discretion to accept that yeah so if it's a plea deal so yeah you just like start getting the news stories oh he's getting depressed oh he's so worried about this long trial oh he's so worried about getting the 20 years and then suddenly he gets suicided in his jail cell why why is he going to these lengths to talk to north korea it's a good question i mean let's go through the scenario where he is just a piece of shit right and he's just using kind of these, oh, I'm just a teacher going to show you how to do stuff. Let's let's describe him where he's actually a bad actor. So there's a theory, you know, you could be some... Bad actor in the yeah, sense... Yeah, well, what do you mean? Let's say that you're, you've studied nuclear physics at Kansas State, right? You know how to build a nuclear reactor. Okay. It's just educational to you. That's why you went to college, is to learn how to build nuclear reactors for the United States. Yeah. Now another country is interested in nuclear reactors, too. Oh, I'm just a teacher. I'll go and teach this country how to build nuclear reactors. Oh, they're going to pay. And then you're like, you go there to teach them. But then you find out that, yes, you were just there to spread knowledge, but they paid you $250,000 to be be there and to teach them this information, not to bribe you. To a bunch of military. But just because, (laughs) you know, it was your stipend for living there. We're going to give you... $250,000 or maybe even something more egregious. We'll give you a million dollars to teach us, but we're not doing it so that you'll commit this act of treason. We just need teachers to come teach us. We're just very curious people. Like that's, that's the other thing is, you know, you've hired someone who just wants to teach you how to commit a criminal act. He's pretending like he's there to teach, 
when he really does just want to assist with this criminal thing. And maybe there is like a financial incentive of, you know, come so speak at our conference. Even that, so when you mean even bad in that actor, case, I'm not sure if I would call him a bad actor. I mean, maybe he's just like really principled you just mean in this. Yeah, in the context of the law, of he is there explicitly and, to break the law. But I don't know if I would not call that bad actor just because it implies that the law yeah. is justice by default. It's, well, I, I think in this case, because North Korea is keeping killing people in prison camps, that I could say if he, he did get paid some sort of speaker fee okay. to come there and it was a suspiciously large speaker fee and he's just explaining how to do this, those would all be I, – I, I, like, I understand why the government should stop that from happening. That it's easy to pretend like I'm just teaching information when you're also like – uh, you know, you could give, be go to a pedophile network and teach them how to use Tor, and you're like, "Oh, I'm just a big fan of Tor. I don't care that they paid me a hundred thousand dollars to come okay, that's speak a good at Nenwa." You know, okay. You can make it all seem good on paper when actually you were just you you're knew just what there, they were up to, they knew what you were doing, yeah. and it, on paper you're just pretending that's not. What I just wonder if it was just kind of like a show of like, whatever you're not going to tell me what not to do, and he just thought that nothing would come of it. I like, think that too. Did. It's like, well, I'm just going to do it anyway, even though they told me not to. How old is he? Does he know? Pretty young. That could okay. apply. I bet early 30s yeah. at the, at the huh. oldest. Wait, were you going somewhere? So, like, consider the case where he is this bad actor, pedophile, going to teach the... Tour you, network. Tour network <laughs> to pedophile. pedophile. Okay. Um, were you going somewhere with that scenario? Or are you, are you saying that's that's the worst it could be? Do you think be, that's or, the assumption? Or... Um, I mean, I, th- I think that could be what's going on. Oh, so, okay. what's our assessment if that's the truth? I mean, if, if that is what we got, we got it. We got somebody teaching. He's thirty six. He's thirty six. Okay. See, that's that's a little older than I he probably knew what he was doing. Yeah. yeah, but he probably. I mean, if I got the opportunity to go to North Korea, and. His, oh, that's so. Weird. So in, he did ask for permission. This is interesting. I guess, but he thought he had to ask for permission. Yeah. He created WikiScanner. Uh, yeah, right. it's, um, it's a published for paper for artificial life and inti- integrated information theory in developing WikiScanner. He described his mission as so. His mission for WikiScanner was to create minor public relations disasters for companies and organizations I dislike. See, this is the problem: is he has a reputation as just someone trying to cause chaos. Um, and, and I don't think it's actually him. what he's doing. I think he just presents himself publicly as a mischievous person when he knows the mischief is for good. Um, but uh, it's not a good PR decision at this point. It looks bad. That makes the focus on him make so much more sense. That, um, yeah, the fact that he the, yeah, he like, drew their attention. This is why I think, again, 10% suicide. You heard it here first on the Raleigh Bitcoin podcast. We called Epstein too. Go back and check the archives. <laughs> <laughs> Epstein also, really was a suicide, though. I don't know. I don't think Epstein's still alive. Epstein he, is he, the cover story. He's still on that island. There's no body. Are you kidding me? Also, this one's not was, important enough. I don't so see why he would Virgil, did his job. Why Virgil Griffith was also a visiting researcher um, investigating renouncing his U.S. citizenship, according to WikiLeaks. Oh, interesting. At the time of arrest. Hmm. Yeah, that would be. T- did you say that? Just that I don't know where he was arrested. All Just of that this, he was interested in announcing. All of this would be terrible for a jury trial. Like the narrative on like him as being like an anti-American, like terrible person, would be so easy to sell. If you went to France once, he's, he's in bad. 
That's I love that he's an Ethereum right. person and not a Bitcoin person. <laughs> yeah. I think if you went to France, my own selfishness outside of the fact that I feel for the guy and this, this is, is a horrific situation. Yeah, I'm really glad he's with Ethereum. <laughs> if you went to France every summer on vacation, the jury t- would hold it against you. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the best. And that it sucks. And well, the, pro- the, pro- the justice system also doesn't sufficiently discourage like biasing juries for really horrible reasons do you guys remember when dennis rodman went to north korea do you guys yeah, know who like dennis rodman? yeah how did kim dennis rodman, rodman get away with kim jong-un or was he it helped, i thought it was but one of them loved the chicago bulls man they just like hung out south park had all this crap about it and that was that actually wasn't didn't they have like a see i didn't even get to see um did anybody ever watch the movie that was uh, the one they that didn't they release it, because of uh, Sony? Seth Rogen? Yeah, I think, so and, North Korea uh, supposedly hacked yeah. hacked Sony's Sony emails, shows, yeah, yeah. so to such a degree that they were afraid to release this movie allegedly. I think that mm. was a PR stunt. Yeah, I think so too. Think so? It's a pretty yeah. bad movie. It's that's a smart PR stunt. Like if. it, it should have been good, and they didn't make a good movie. Like you can tell they were like right on the edge, but they never got to the laughs. Yeah, never saw it. I was curious. Anybody got any more comments on the Virgil Griffith, or you guys want to move on to uh, Fidelity? Well, I guess this was kind of my topic. Anyway, yeah. am I cutting anybody off by moving on? Let's do it. No, nah, it sucks no, okay. for Virgil. Sucks for that guy, yeah. Um, dude, I think it's so, if you guys didn't hear, Fidelity got a bit license. Did you hear that? No. Yeah, this was just yesterday. A New York bit license? Got a New York bit license. So it uh, passed that yeah. god awful. Well, piece it of hired you know they hired that dude that works for Ripple yeah. to get it passed. No. And, yeah, I mean, of course you have they to hire you have to who, hire him. They to get hired through. the guy who wrote who wrote the, the bit bill license. Yeah, to make it awful. For yeah, of everyone. course, right? Yeah, but anyway, I think this is uh, <laughs> yeah, I think this is super bullish for Bitcoin. I mean, imagine if Fidelity becomes like a Coinbase or a Gemini. So it's like you have. Coinbase, Gemini, Kraken, Fidelity. Now all of a sudden you have this name that's associated with traditional American finance. You're going to get a lot more boomers willing to go on Fidelity and buy Bitcoin. A lot of people have Fidelity then, accounts and there's a lot of money. There. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's not for Coinbase. Like well, Coinbase. That's, that's yeah. what the bit like custody for institutional investors. Yeah. In the US. Yeah. Right. So custody. It means they can custody for yeah. like. Yeah. So there's probably a ton of immense amounts of capital. Yeah, like family offices that manage a lot of money that didn't want to deal with private keys, but they're going to use Fidelity to custody their stuff. Fidelity's approach is is even more sophisticated and cunning than that. (laughs) Yeah, I think so too. So I I believe that what Fidelity is going to do, and this is super like. You guys didn't hear this here, and this is definitely not to go to go their meetup. Did you go to Fidelity's? Is that what you're saying? I, I Are you was, co-opted? I was. Are you working for on Fidelity? The phone you should have it you accidentally should, when I had you just have about static this. fade you out as you say. This is not going to be on the episode, so, and then and then we'll insert a segment that says you're going to have to come to the actual Fidelity Raleigh Bitcoin is, meetup. Has got this secret. license for one reason and one reason only is to assist them with custodying Bitcoin for the government. They're the Ooh, guys with the keys, smart. and and <laughs> Ooh, that's smart. and they're going to they they're going to lobby I hope so. other people have been taking. They're going to lobby yeah, forget the to to ensure that that's the government can't hold its own Bitcoin. That there are going to be contracts that they get paid in 
to custody the U.S. government's Bitcoin. Oh, I'm going to wow. drop the mic. Now, see, that's an that's, that's great. A really I love it. Interesting take because, like, from everybody I've heard um, and spoke to and heard spoke to other people at Fidelity, they seem to be like really legit. Yeah, they get they it. They seem to be like Bitcoiners. Like, yeah, they, they know are. what they're doing there, and they know There's why. Somebody that works for Fidelity for Fidelity that comes to this meetup. Do you guys remember who it was? I can't remember his name. I saw him walking down the street the other day. Anyway. Um, I don't think I spoke to them. They, um, don't, they don't have names. Yeah. They, don't have they names. share a common name yeah. amongst them. Um, <laughs> but aside, that, 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 is an interesting, that is an interesting development that you did there that no one else on this podcast heard. There's because they were not here at the Raleigh Bitcoin meetup. There's for almost the inside scoop. There's a short to medium case for Bitcoin going up in value drastically, even if it will go to zero ten years from now. Which is organizations like Fidelity are just they're so desperate for new users, new money, and there are actual limitations they need for something how something that pays yield. They need well, they can't. The asset prices do have limitations. You can't push stocks up too much higher than their revenue because people will look at the historic rate relationship between the stock's price to the revenue and say, no, we can't go to 50x. We've always been between 15 to 20x since the history of time. So you've got a cap there. You've got a cap on housing values and that salaries aren't going to go up. So you can't make houses go up infinitely too fast. Because people just won't be able to buy it, and then all houses will shoot to zero. But the one thing you could pump to infinity without consequence is Bitcoin. (laughs) Bitcoin could be a million dollars tomorrow, and the world would not change a bit. Your asset price uh, model is is ignoring like the most important um, ingredient, which is the discount rate. Mm. Um, And as discount rates goes low or zero, and in particular negative then it actually can inflate asset prices. For example, I can afford a $10 million house if I get a 50-year mortgage at a negative 10% interest rate. Hmm. Yeah, and uh, also, it, it, because it ends up being everything fueled by debt, um, we, we actually see this exact sort of thing happening in the stock market right now, hmm. is that companies that, if it's the, it's the unicorn club, uh, and uh, there's, there's a chart somewhere, I forget, somebody was keeping track of all the new companies that established that they're worth more than a billion dollars um and it's hilarious like it's it's like one per year like from like 2008 2009 and then right around 2014 it goes nuts and it's just all these companies a ton of them are literally in the negative like they they lose money they don't even have positive revenue but they are going up because people are there's so much fake money. They're desperate to put it somewhere. And all the all the banks and stuff that are borrowing from the Fed, they're not spending it. They're investing it in things like the stock market. And they're accepting the fact that, yeah, we're probably going to lose 5%. But how great is that? We're only going to lose 5%. So, like, it's, the, the environment is so absurd. Well, I've got a great example. This was a headline today on CNBC. In 2019, almost every investment worked. <laughs> so wow. what? Did, what? Did, now, does anyone know what it's a, a Ponzi scheme is? <laughs> and could you do it on an economy-wide scale where every investment worked? You if Ponzi every, every investment in one thing. Yep. Because yes, exactly. If you just inflate the currency itself, 
You can force Beautiful. everything to go up simultaneously. Nope, it's gonna just gonna fall. Uh, I guess you could say that about Venezuela too, right? All in Venezuela and yeah, Venezuela's yeah. stock market never collapsed. Yeah, Venezuela's every investment in Venezuela is nothing but go up, right? Yep. I, I, like understanding the stuff through inflation and not like the two point whatever number that they put out, but like real inflation, Venezuela style inflation, isn't that the best way to understand all of this stuff? The reality is that the vast majority, by definition of what we did with money and debts, a majority of all uh, investments did not pay. They were all losses. Um, like there are going to be there are going to be some that win more than others in an economy like this, but if it's all fueled by liability, then like by definition it did not pay back. You're not getting the value. So I have um, this week's awesome Bitcoin idea mm. to make us become cryptonauts. Something you just said, I don't know what it is about what you said, how you said it, but just made my brain go to overdrive for a second. We're going to be, yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, we're going to have to start a business and uh, we're going to have to start it by the end of this episode. Um, we need to go to around to a bunch of municipalities and a bunch of cities and to the state of North Carolina and tell them that we will bond and hold and custody their Bitcoin that they seize as part of their criminal investigations because they're not capable of doing it. Exactly what the U.S. Marshal is doing for uh, seized Bitcoin. But doing it for municipalities and cities and... Um, why would they use Fidelity? Why wouldn't they? Yeah. Because they're not going to be able to afford the fees associated with holding Bitcoin when we can do it at a much lower rate. And if and if we can help lobby and create the laws in the cities that do... Uh, that would actually be... I mean, it we, just we don't need we don't we don't need good, good we don't need good rates. We can do ten percent. We can take. Yeah. I mean, they'll you just need to actually do the personal but, but relationship the where they believe you're actually going to do this it. This doesn't happen with the city of Raleigh. You don't have to go to the mayor. You have to go to the chief of the police department, shake his hand, and say, "Hey, we're a business. This is what we do. We'll help manage the auction of uh, seized Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies." And this is how we'll manage it. This is how we keep it secure. Steve, I hope you look good in a tie. Um, <laughs> but, but this, it's the, it's the sheriffs. It's the police department that get to choose how they do this. And for a small fee, the sheriff it was, is the top in the, is, no, there is no accountability for a sheriff in a county. We've got a hundred counties in North Carolina. We just need to get some Bitcoin from some of them. I'll, I'll go to a meeting. I'll, go, I'll meet with a sheriff. Yeah, I will say, and you know, it's interesting. It's a good idea. The people in Raleigh. Told you, no idea. <laughs> the people in Raleigh that have the most experience with uh, custodying private keys are probably in the people room, in this room. In this, this is why <laughs> we just need a good... Excellent team management Who's, system, who's like, good at making PowerPoints? Because we just need a good PowerPoints with an action shot. Ooh. JC on the PowerPoints. Well, well, JC gonna, can't be on this team. I my don't wife think, does right? the, My wife does the PowerPoint. JC must be anonymous. The key. Uh, my record's clean, dude. My resume looks clean cut. I, I hide it pretty well. I think the key. Yeah, you work for NASA. You're gonna have to go no, by Doctor. You, you have to go by Doctor yeah. Steve. From we'll make now you. On. We'll make you the poster boy. Yeah. And I might have to cut my hair though. Shit. No, that just makes you look what more te- like like no, a just, techno. Just man just bun, man it, bun? And it looks man like okay. you. It looks like you're competent with a computer. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah if m- you want to borrow my glasses, we, we might that. have to cut this idea out. It's that good. Um, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> but I'm not even joking. A good this name. Like smelting is, is a well, good this name. This is gonna have to be different. Than, this is gonna. We're gonna have to cut this out. Like smelting. Well, did we? Yeah, we did cut smelting out originally. That's right. <laughs> but. 
smote. But this is a real service. Like, it's very hard to come up with an actual service in Bitcoin where it's like, at the end of the day, sheriffs are just going to confiscate Bitcoin. Yeah. But but it's yeah. about educating their officers. So there's a training component to this. Police departments love training their officers. And if some of this goes towards, especially if it's an auction and you hold the auction, the money goes back to uh, arming the police, giving them vehicles, training their, their teams, training their dogs, feeding their dogs, putting more bullets in their guns, better bullets, better guns, oh better police. Now, hold on a second, though. Hold on a second, though. Doesn't this such a good idea. <laughs> now, this is this is great, but doesn't this fall back into the uh, uh, teaching tour to the pedophiles? It is. It okay. is. So, so it, I, it, I was hoping you would I'm say I'm going that. to be standing in front of a group of police officers showing this is a treasure, and this is what you need to get into this. So when you find this with someone else, make sure you grab this. So but you're so not going to find a treasure and be able to get the Bitcoin off. Ah, it. No, but, but if you, you know work with a district attorney to, to ensure that the plea deal doesn't happen until they give you the the the, the digit to the the pin, the pin the then you're then hey, there's no plea deal for this for these felony charges until you give us access to your Bitcoin. All right, so maybe you teach the police that they need the, the pin number, and then you teach your YouTube videos but to why, put everything behind. Why do we get access to the Bitcoin in this scenario? Why is the because they've been forfeiture? charged? They've been charged with a crime that requires uh, civil forfeiture of the, of the, anything. So you're because speed, you're speeding down the road, and they see your treasure in your little your little glove box, your little um, cup holder. Boo! Woo! Woo! <laughs> Sorry, uh, step out of the car, sir. Uh, put your hands, assume the position. Um, that treasure is now mine. I'm going to hold it uh, as is part of your criminal case because we uh, believe you have committed a crime and we're going to hold on to this for you. So what you're saying is if our business became successful enough, we start getting these police officers some really nice vehicles that, you know, eventually they're going to start arresting innocent people. Just to get more Bitcoin, right? Eventually. <laughs> Eventually. Yeah, I like think the, the, the fox is in the headhouse on that one. But so, look, I think this is this going back to the Tor and, and the pedophile thing. Mm. I'd rather be the right hand of the devil than in his path. Oh, I don't know about that. This is a back to Jesus moment like, this for is you. Like starting a chain <laughs> analytics company. I mean, during during the Lord's work, Lord Satoshi. Uh, yeah. T- to me, it sounds like what we're what you what you're just what you're talking about is as heretical heretical as Trump feels what Virgil Griffith did. Yeah, I have I have a I have two sides of me. One side is saying this is a great. I didn't say you idea. guys would love the idea. I said it was. And a then good there's idea. another there's another <laughs> well, side um, of me that's like this is the most. E- I would be I would be the we're, the literal we're, opposite of everything I stand for. So there is, you know, we often talk about code is law, but also law is law, law, is law. and we just need to stack sats. And that's the other side of this argument. Yeah. Well, this is this is his <laughs> approach for stacking sats. We would use the sats to create a better government. We yeah, we would we would be yeah, isn't that a better local government? Yeah. It's an oxymoron. I'm going to get involved, in, get involved in government. As Bitcoin holders, we obviously so that know I, best. What, what is I'll your actual... my morals so that I can get If morals. you were to denominate your sellout number in Bitcoin, where you sell out all your values for, because they're going to give you this many Bitcoin... Point zero 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 one. I was going to say, it's pretty low, right? <laughs> That's when you sell out all your values? That's like... 10 sats. 100 sats. 
But what, what is the actual number? Would you like? Well, the the problem when I go through the scenario, the problem is where do I put that money? Like, even if Bitcoin goes to ten million, okay, I would no, no, sell I'm it. But where so, would I put them? Wait, is that not the question? No, no. I'm saying, how many Bitcoin do I get? If I give you ten Bitcoin, will you do like? Will you violate your ethics for ten Bitcoin? That's ten Bitcoin. Oh, I see. That's what I'm saying. Oh, ten I, Bitcoin I, is a see, lot Bitcoin, of Bitcoin. I'll Bitcoin. do it for ten Twitter followers. I'll do anything. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, just that's all I need. Bitcoin is representative of my values. See, even though I'd be throwing away all my values, it's like if this plan could give me ten Bitcoin, I kind of feel like I'm glad I did this plan. That's like. <laughs> Like my, I'll raise my grandkids to be better people. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I think there's a lot about Bitcoin that's that's linked into you know um, s- uh, sovereign individualhood. You know, mm. be be a be a person, uh, be autonomous, be separate from the government. Um, but at the same time, what I what I do like about this idea is that th- there is, at least in my mind, someone out there that is violating the law and does hold Bitcoin. But that certainly doesn't justify all of the people's rights who would be violated. However, my, my point is this, is that if if they're going to seize property, they're going to seize it regardless. Yeah. And they yeah. may as well be seizing Bitcoin because they're going to seize it all. They just may be throwing Bitcoin down the drain. So the equation is not whether this is moral. The equation is whether... By them destroying a treasure accidentally, we're better off by having the supply depreciate or diminish by having the treasures get destroyed. Do you want to give them an incentive? I mean, civil asset forfeiture is a problem, and I know you know that. You're well aware of that. Um, You're more aware than I am. And so given another path towards that is... I would say not good. Because but I don't think it's another path. I think this is just letting them know that they can go after Bitcoin. If So here's the thing. I think this is going to happen regardless of whether we do it or not. A- some, some on the table. You're leaving some civil assets that you could forf- be forf- that you could be confiscating on the table. Yes. Here's something. See, let's how go could back. that be good? Let- oh, I think that my, my point is that it's not necessarily good. I think asset forfeiture is, is terrible, but I think they're going to do it regardless. You're growing it. You're and growing somebody's going to do it, do this idea regardless. Here's the problem is that if you add the, oh, also do Bitcoin, yeah, then it's more assets that can be seen. Like, I don't those. think, like, I'm not against the idea of, like, like, the law is not, like, I'm not some, not against the law. I'm against bad law. Like, like, police do serve a purpose it's when they do they they enforce something immoral that that like suddenly suddenly you've got something where you're coming to terms with in in, you're assisting a an institution that even if 50 percent of what they are engaging in is a huge benefit to the surrounding area if 50 percent of it is immoral and you're incentivizing all of it you're you're helping all of it like what does what is your role i'd like to go there. back to something interesting which is the the bitcoin religion aspect of this and that there's something about the fact that we're stealing someone else's bitcoin that we're we're betraying the tribe right that makes us uncomfortable but if we're like hey a drug dealer just got arrested with ten thousand dollars if you help us out we'll give you a thousand dollars of it we'd i would be like sure why are not all holders of bitcoin in our tribe then um 
pretty much. But see, my point is, if someone told here, us explicitly, brotherhood, like, hey, we're not going to confiscate Bitcoin. We're only confiscating Bitcoin cash from criminals. You'd be like, well, they're using a shit coin. Yeah, I'll help you out, sheriff. Just bust some heads. Who cares? <laughs> pretty sure there was only Bitcoin cash on this trip. You know, like there's something messed up that I, I'm not joking. There so, is kind of a reality to if they're using dollars, if they're I, using some stupid this, shit, if they're this, using Verge and they have a million dollars worth of Verge and you'll give me timbers it. Of course, I'll yeah. steal their verge. Fuck them. <laughs> before, before I was introduced to Bitcoin, I that would not, change my morals. I wasn't that, that aware that civil asset forfeiture was a problem. Okay, Bitcoin makes me realize that for fiat and for shit coins and for bitcoins. Yeah. So uh, I would be willing to put out there as a working hypothesis that the worse of a human you are, the more likely you are to hold shit coins. Oh wow. So, so if you are a person who's committing crimes, that's a whole that's a whole podcast. No, are you a bad person for owning shit coins? Hey, I got rid of my no, shit coins no, no, today. No, 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 you're not a bad person. You're not a bad person for holding shit coins. But the more shit coins you hold, the more likely that you are likely to commit a crime. Okay, congratulations. This is a great podcast discussion. I tend to get rid of my shit coins eventually. I'm gonna use them for good. Doge, Doge for good. Yeah. So this Bitcoin is from 2016, so it's only Bitcoin Cash. Yeah. Yeah. It's Bitcoin Cash. So we're He's at the two-hour mark. Do you want to move on to the, the Bitfinex Lightning on-ramp? Oh, uh, next topic? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so tomorrow, or in a few hours here, apparently Bitfinex is opening deposits in Lightning. Can you withdraw with Lightning? I don't know. And I wonder what Actually, I think, is. yes. I think deposits and withdrawals and lightning. I mean, who cares if it actually is tomorrow or it, it's coming, right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking, uh, this is huge news. I mean, you know me. Like, I'm this not, is inevitable. I'm not like, I, yeah. yeah. It's I, inevitable, but this is going to increase the lightning network capacity enormously. Well, Bitfinex already has a big position. That's, that's one of the things is that the, they're just trying to be a big node. is just the infrastructure, which means it might not change for a while. Um, like, we have, like, kind of room to grow with how much activity we can actually manage with the infrastructure we already have without opening a shit ton of new channels and bringing another note so a I, bunch of nodes online i um, don't so. i don't understand why this is a big story what what did we not have before that's happening now with bitfinex a large exchange that's accepting lightning like there were smaller ones um, okay so but the, none, none of them, of them were really on board yet like i don't think anybody like like none of the places that you can buy and trade. No one was withdrawing or depositing using Lightning Network not yet. Not Lightning, not yet. You have you can't be a this U.S. Is, resident. This is this is going to be the major use case. You can't of be Lightning. a U.S. resident. So, yeah, but Phoenix doesn't accept U.S. residents anymore. No, don't they have? Don't they, they have like Bitfinex U.S. or something like that? I don't don't they have so. like a U.S. division? Or no, that's Binance. Binance did that. Yeah, Bitfinex. Oh, but, so but they have they like half by US IP customers. addresses. If you VPN, you can certainly log okay. in. Okay, so so they only have like fifty percent U.S. customers. So is this so what? what <laughs> Even though they don't accept U.S. customers. Besides convenience sake, like what's the actual advantage to this? Is it instantaneous settlement? Instant. Okay. Yeah. If you want to, you don't have to wait for three confirmations to get in and out of Bitfinex. So if somebody opens a twenty thousand dollar channel with Bitfinex. And then moves twenty thousand dollars on it, trades, and then instant like as soon as there's a, let's say there's another exchange they want to arbitrage between, there's no settle there's no settlement time between arbitraging. So you no longer have to 
that 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 price difference is gone. They can withdraw out and deposit into the other one in a matter of seconds and execute the trade in a completely different country in a completely ju- different jurisdiction. I would say the implication that's the that's the first order implications. Yeah, yeah, first I think order. there's second order implications of liquidity in lightning yeah, by having yeah, definitely. a you know there's a problem with liquidity in lightning. I can't just send you a thousand dollars in lightning necessarily like if if we don't have a channel open together um it could fail i mean there's a lot of routing failures when you get above like 20 50 bucks and i think um, it's also a um a kind of uh, a proof of lightning's security and stage of development that like okay we we can, we're totally that a large institution like this with a ton of capital is like, okay, we're going to start putting balances, portions of our balance on Lightning. Lightning started last year. Yeah. This is amazing. Beta dropped last year. So is, is Bitfinex, um, like, could this be a buggy buggy launch? Like, could things go wrong? Is Lightning Network ready for, for something this big? Uh, I, things things no. can go wrong. I mean, things might go wrong with Bitcoin still. You know, yeah. yeah. You've, I mean, there will I, be payments I, failed. I, and I, mean, I mean, more like the liquidity um, channel issue. Like, is, is, that, is that solved enough that you just needed someone with a ton of Bitcoin to come in to do it? Or No, I think it will make, um, I mean, you know, payments fail from time to time. And I don't think that's going to go away. I think we're just going to have incremental improvements over the next year on that until it just kind of, we just kind of forget that payments fail. Um, and... Uh, and then we're just annoyed, just like when you used to just, it always took forever to load a picture, and then suddenly, like, it's only when a picture actually takes time to load that you're like, what the hell? One, like, one thing that's going to really help the lack of payments failing is Bitcoin price going way up. Yeah, so because the, the, $20, the, value, the liquidity is going $20 up. $20 yeah. payments don't fail now, so... You know, five hundred dollar payments aren't going to. Yeah, my hundred dollar channel with Breeze is going to be five hundred dollars, exactly. and suddenly my seventy dollar payments have no problem getting through. But the other, I would call it a second order possible Im- uh, implication of this is something that Lightning brings that I, I, nothing else in the world that we've seen before, which is tiny transactions. I don't know how relevant that is at, on an exchange, but it it's interesting to think about. We've never had tiny. You know, it's like. You could trade forty cents. You know, I don't know why you would, but it's interesting to see what comes out of that. Yeah, I'd be curious if that actually develops. Like that, that becomes a thing where you have an order book that you can trade. That's like those tiny amounts because yeah. you, you can't do, do it. You with don't dollars want that. Everyone's an order book but, is ruined when you have really small denominations like that. That you're yeah, there's gonna be a yeah. They're not going to allow micro trades because that's yeah. just like DDoS. You, I mean, you yeah, just yeah. put these, DDoS you put these spam in transactions in between you and the actual big order, and it's like yeah. it's not. Cool. But just in general, lightning micro payments, like <laughs> not not for exchanges, but just for like watching three seconds of YouTube. That's what's going to change the world, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, what, when I saw this, I immediately thought, like, if once you get Lightning Network connected to an uh, an exchange, people are going to be owning. Bitcoin, but they've only owned Bitcoin on an exchange and Bitcoin on the Lightning Network, you know? Yes. Their mm-hmm. coins have never touched, um, since they've owned it, have never touched the main network. Well, they're always on the main network if they're on Lightning. Yeah, so they've never moved their coins on the main network. Yeah, right? they just own a key. Yeah. yeah. 
I don't see I don't, I don't see that as being a problem. Yeah, I think right. that's the. No, end I just of think that's. A, I just think that's. It's a, interesting. I, I'm saying it's it a changes. fundamental evolution. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. very. It's a very and like uh like we're talking about the next order magnitude changes. The fact that you've never touched the main network, but you own Bitcoin and it was instantaneous. But know? there's the interesting thing is that like, uh, because of that, it makes a the scale that we're talking about possible. It it really drives home that your keys are your coins because your keys really are all that there is and um and then also it finally begins to realize the capacity that this network could give in privacy is that you don't have a permanent record of your transactions um you're you're forever just in mutual agreements that are not recorded unless something goes wrong if everything works you're you're in the dark the whole time and uh, there's no chain analysis company that's you're not broadcasting anyone else. It's you and the company or the node that you're working with or the recipient that you're you know sending coins to that know what that payment was, how much it was, and when and why it happened. Um, and I think that's I think that's one of the greatest things ever. I think I'm so, I'm so excited about that becoming a reality, and that that is a that's a fundamental result of the way that we needed to design to scale. That we got privacy because we had to scale. And I think that's amazing. Yeah, that's so cool. I just had this vision of, you know how we talk about uh, we're Bitcoiners and then there's pre-coiners or mm-hmm. no-coiners. I think in the future there might be main-chainers and second-layers. or I don't know what the name <laughs> of it would be, but there's going to be people who... Zingers. Zingers. <laughs> Bolters. Right? Yeah, it's going to yeah. be like, oh, this main chain. We're going to be like, yeah, I was sending uh, main chain Bitcoin transactions at a yeah. meetup and like, what? Like, blah, blah, for a blah, blah, dollar. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, I was, right? I own a Bitcoin. We need a name address. for I mean, there's going to be a need to be a name for that. <laughs> Wait, what? Like, you're mo- like, Lightning Network Bitcoin. Lightning money, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. I think of it. Is it just locked up in Lightning? Like, yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, you, it's it's so weird because it is a different thing, but you don't want to just make really differentiate the two units. So you but want them not, to be as synonymous as possible. It is Bitcoin. It's, it's Bitcoin. a different rail, but it's Bitcoin. It's a different. Yeah. Network. It's like like if you put money. It's Satoshi's. It, even though this, this is a terrible example, really, because this is custodial. But if you put money in PayPal, you don't denominate it in something different. Um, but in this it's case, in this case, this isn't lightning at all because you actually hold the keys explicitly to your Bitcoin. Like you are holding a key with an explicit amount of Bitcoin tied to it. And Bitcoin can execute that at any time. And you have a uh, very, uh, very uh, securely written privilege over anyone else for that. Um, so that amount. we think Lightning Network Bitcoins are a store of value. I, I, so the, the network's going to still exist for you. You're going to get your coins out. Like it's going to store your value, well, even if you've not, if you've only owned, if you've only gone yeah. to Bitfinex, withdrawn to the Lightning Network, you're still storing your value forever, like Bitcoin does. Yeah, yeah. That, so I, I so think you can always get it out. Of yeah, um, it is confusing. Uh, I think a good analogy is: what if I have Bitcoin on a stick and I hand it to someone else? That's not like different Bitcoin, like the because it, like the mechanism by which I give someone my Bitcoin might be the Lightning Network. It's still Bitcoin that's being or transferred. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If I just like have, if I give someone my treasure, 
you know, that's real Bitcoin. It's not a Bitcoin transaction. But it's like it's a protocol of transacting real Bitcoin. Yeah, just because I didn't so, make a new address when you sent me the open diamond, you right. didn't send it explicitly over Bitcoin doesn't mean that I don't own the Bitcoin. Yeah. I mean, it's, and that it wasn't a real payment. It's it's a little bit different, but it, it does bother me when people think like you're moving your Bitcoin off the Bitcoin network and onto the Lightning network. That's not that's hey, not what's happening. So let's let's go over this scenario. You withdraw your money, you go to Bitfinex, you withdraw to Lightning Network. For some reason, in 12 months, the Lightning Network starts falling apart and gets shut down completely. What? How do you get your Bitcoin? What happens there? You just you just say like, like all your payments would fail, and if let's your say if it payments. if it shut down, yeah, your Lightning payments. Um, if the the whole network is shut down, well, this would imply that the channels shut down. So either you close your channel or the company that you had a channel with bitfinex in this yep. scenario closed the channel for you and then you just have bitcoin on your key you just have bitcoin at an address that was already written into your little contract to so, have lightning to hold lightning you hold private keys um yeah. that you choose to um send up to the light to the bitcoin network or not mm-hmm. yeah um, so if you have your keys you have your coins Basically, basically, there's one transaction to execute, and then it's back on an address. So as long as it's someone, back on a normal the only address. thing that could go wrong is if somehow that miner's fee did not get paid to close out the channel. Yeah, but you can still do it from your side. Okay. So yeah, and you just need to. Well, I you get, have to pay a fee. Yeah, you have to pay a transaction fee. Yeah, to get it back to a normal address as opposed to a multi-sig address. I guess the thing. I mean, I'm still. I like Lightning Network, but I don't know about storing stuff on it the same way you would store Bitcoin for 10 years. I think it should and all be still hot wallets. Yeah. yeah. That, Considered uh, a hot wallet. Yeah. Just that I don't I don't know what's going to happen with fees in the future that you'll actually be able to pay the fee that needs to be paid to close the channel. That fees could get that expensive fast. But you're looking at the, you're looking at the same situation with Bitcoin too, is that like, Oh, that's true. Like you might not need to close the channel, but whatever amount that you have, you still have to pay a fee to move it. Um, but then also with Lightning, is if you're still connected into the network, you've got a network of always online nodes. It's it's kind of like saying that I don't want to store my stuff on a server. I want to store it on a USB drive, not connected to my computer. Like like there's no real reason if Bitcoin continues to survive and thrive to think that the Lightning network will not also survive and thrive because it's a way to offload data securely on a new layer with Bitcoin. Mm. Unless there's a better alternative, which just means that we've solved the scaling problem a different way. And again, fees are not the top concern. There Um, are some who theorize, Pierre Rochard is my highest example, who theorize that every, all Bitcoin blockchain space is going to go to the lightning network like bitcoin light, lightning so will too. become bitcoin yeah um, i, I think you, it will, you, there's will be no like you there will be rare rare settlement on the blockchain yeah i, I, I really think so too in the I, same sense that like i just don't think the idea of owning one utxo with like bitcoin in it is going to be a common thing at all. i think wealthy people will do it and everyone else will have keys that if ever needed to prove ownership, will basically undeniably prove ownership in the quote-unquote court of Bitcoin. But that, yes, most of us will have some sort of 
sub-key of some mutual agreement that we just always have the power of exit. And ironically, the success of Lightning means that Bitcoin it keeps the Bitcoin fees in check. While which, also providing a cent- incentive for higher fees at the exact same time. <laughs> this, this is what I worry about is the incentive for higher fees. The fees are rare. They're really expensive. And that if you you won't be able to close out your channel because fees have gotten too expensive. No one ever actually includes something in the block. You can it's, aggregate channels with other people. You can split those fees. And you've got a light, you've got a live, always online network where a lot of other people might be wanting to open or close fees that you can aggregate with, and you have a micropayments channel into this network to split a fee. Like, yeah. So I mean, let's it, like let's say the let's say the fee is twenty dollars, hmm. and for like a normal one TXO one UTXO to two, and um, uh, then you can cut that down to one twentieth of the cost by aggregating with 50 other people who are opening or closing channels because you're, you know, you're aggregating a lot of that data and you're split the cost. Well, then everybody shares the, the $1 that they have to pay over Lightning and then closes the final settlement of everybody's channel and everybody paid a $1 fee. Uh, but it's, it's going to be such a complicated transaction. It's going to take a lot of space. Yeah, but it, you're aggregating. That's the point of aggregation is that, yes, it's a bigger transaction, but it's not as big as 50 people um, uh, transacting separately. How much smaller is it? Well, it depends on the way you do it. Um, uh, and Schnorr but batch, changes batching, his calculation. Yeah, Schnorr is completely Schnorr different. Schnorr and that. L2 are going to change this in a huge way because um, first you would, first the whole multi-sig is not even going to be any bigger. The Lightning Channel is not going to be any bigger than a normal transaction, which is right now it is. Hmm. Um, and then in addition to that is that all, any signature that you have to have on one uh, if it's a participant with four people, five channels, like all kinds of crazy stuff, well, still, you only need one signature. And then you can aggregate with everybody else, and you're only adding the UTXOs, and then there's the ability, though there's it's not like fully worked out yet, there's also the ability of aggregating all the signatures into one. Like the amount of aggregation that you can do, I think it will be rare to have one transaction that's just from one location to another when you have a global connected payments network to do something that is explicitly there to help offload all of this pain and cost hmm. by aggregating small payments over Lightning to make big payments on Bitcoin. What is L2? Oh, oh, L2 is um, it's an update to um, uh, Bitcoin, uh, excuse me, to the Lightning Network contract. That um, Think of it as Lightning Network 2.0. It's backwards compatible. It can still talk with everything else, but... Uh, it's using, it's utilizing Schnorr signatures and the no input, a new script that has to be soft forked in, um, and basically it stupidly simplifies the whole process. Yeah, so um, that, and has that, a lot of different benefits. All that, that's my big concern. With Lightning is that it's just so goddamn confusing. Yeah, I, I mean, you can't understand Bitcoin and then assume that that translates to some kind of knowledge that could help you understand Lightning. Lightning is much harder than Bitcoin because yeah, it requires yeah. Bitcoin. <laughs> Yeah. To knowing Bitcoin to get to like, yeah, it's I'm, hard to wrap your head around. But I just want to say, I think one, uh, I have a a, a, a brainstorm <laughs> that you yeah. just ticked off, which is, um, we've heard of, we know what Moore's law is, mm-hmm. uh, doubling of computing capacity each year or two. The there's there's legitimate concerns. Everyone has concerns in the back of their mind about the scaling of Bitcoin, right? But the 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 the, the 
the the uh, the, the list of like uh, massive upgrades, scaling okay, upgrades yeah. are coming. Schnorr and L two and yeah. well, even Lightning, but also like uh, things on top of all Lightning, AMP, and, lightning and, yes, yeah. all of those things are all just are scaling the amount of transaction or economic capacity in each bit yeah. of on chain space. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I feel like there's like a Moore's law equivalent. And so we're scaling. Bitcoin is scaling, you know, and, and yeah. it's, and it's probably every, you know, every time I go down a rabbit hole of wait a second, but lightning has these problems. It's like, but then you have all these answers. It's just like, this is, it's Moore's law, you know, yeah. on Bitcoin. Here's the thing that um, uh, I think I talked about it on the show sometime recently. I don't remember what episode it was, but um, is I was just kind of talking about it from like my perspective is that Lightning Network has been like, I mean, I can't tell you how many times, like it's at least a 10 to 20 X increase in my activity for sending payments. Like at least like I have offloaded tons of transactions i do very few bitcoin transactions in relation to how many lightning transactions i do like it's easy but have you increased the number of transactions that you do yes i have done all of that um but in my use in my personal use i am getting the equivalent of 10 to 20 megabyte blocks on bitcoin like it is scaling for me because stuff you're big blocker (laughs) i'm big i'm shut up Shut up. I'm second layer. I'm a scaler. He, he, he's big I'm a TBS. real scaling. I don't know what that means. Satoshi's original vision of scaling? Yes. Payment channels. So we're at uh, two hours and 20 minutes. I think we need to make a, a hard pivot to the final topic, which is not what's listed on the board. Um, this topic is an opportunity for the, um, the shout outs to the conversations that you had over Thanksgiving with the family related to Bitcoin. Anyone have any interesting conversations? Um, I did not really. Uh, uh, I didn't really bring it up. I try not to, but I it got asked about hmm. a number of times. Um, and someone who was always a skeptic in my family, but loved to push my buttons back in the day, kept asking me for links to good episodes, and just sent me text today and said, "Oh, I've got a friend who's." interested what's a good episode and so the, the friend the the friend um but no it uh it's changing like the the perspective that everybody had on it was very different and like maybe it's just because they knew the degree that i was into it mm. and everybody knows i got a show and everything um uh but uh i don't think it's the joke that it used to be and it was a joke for a very long time it's the windy effect yeah, it's a Lindy effect. It's like it didn't go away. We're doing this again this Christmas, and it's still here. <laughs> All right, I got to quit calling him an idiot for it at least. <laughs> yeah. I thought that Bitcoin down. thing died. Yeah, this is interesting. It might be as far as evangelizing. We're making a mistake to think the people that are anti-Bitcoin are actually anti-Bitcoin when they're just like mature, yeah. immature little kids who like pick on the girl they like. You know, they're bullying Bitcoin because they really like Bitcoin. Yeah, or they don't. And they just be don't know how to show it. Doesn't know about it. <laughs> they also do, they want to learn about it and then be the expert yeah. instead of being the guy who asks questions and mm-hmm. doesn't know about it. Or they're slowly over time with you overcoming their objection. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like once all the objections are out of the path. Okay, I'm a Bitcoiner now. 
Yeah. So I um I bet Bitcoin over Thanksgiving on a game Ooh. of chess. Um, How's your chess? Um, so I love playing chess. Play competitive chess all the time. Um, I, it is my thing to do. If you walk into my office and I'm not working, it's because I'm playing a game of chess and chess.com. Shout out chess.com. And I won 0. 0.01 of a Bitcoin. Wow. 0. 0.01 Bitcoin. Nice. Oh. nice. Who are you? Who did you get that from? Um, I want to I want to give a shout out to my lump wristed brother who oh, can't nice. play a game of chess to save his life. Wow, I can't believe you got your brother into Bitcoin and now you're just stealing it from him in chess. It's <laughs> stealing or paying or, or just thrashing his ass. We we have been playing chess since we were like five and eight, and uh, my father got us into it. And it is like the way to settle all disputes in our family is through chess. Are you the five-year-old or the eight-year-old? I, I am the youngest of uh, okay. the siblings, so um, you can tell by my personality, I guess. Um, I, I, I would have guessed you were the youngest. I'm the youngest, too. So. <laughs> I had uh, Thanksgiving with like people I'd never met before, so I didn't do any Bitcoin shilling at Thanksgiving. But Which people? It, that's prime time. That's a, well, okay. Now what the press? You no, so, about Bitcoin? <laughs> yeah. So this is, but this brings up an interesting point. It's more impactful when a normal person, and by normal, I just mean like has good values, like Who honest person. Yeah, I don't, you? I don't know anybody like that. But, no, but I mean, you know, it's important to be a regular person and then show Bitcoin because yeah. if. If you, you show Bitcoin as a weirdo, if that's the first thing you say, they're just going to think you're a weirdo. Yeah. But if they're like, oh, you know, this guy has a PhD, works for NASA, you know, worked at Oxford. And then I'd say, oh, yeah, by the way, Bitcoin's great. Then that's yeah, yeah. like, that's so uh, it's kind of, I don't know. You got to be a normal so person. He's, 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 I shouldn't he's wear a kimono with nothing underneath it and invite that's people into my office and talk about Bitcoin. <laughs> that might work, too. But I did have some um, some high school friends that I hadn't talked to in, like, 10 years or so send me a text out of the blue asking about bitcoin so i think yeah i i've gotten a lot of bullish vibes lately yeah i, yeah. I think that's also partly because this show's got over a hundred thousand subs- uh, subscribers now um so i mean it's just a lot of people listening man that's nice yeah yeah we're probably eating into your audience so. yeah. yeah if you guys want to contact us it's straight slurman at gmail.com <laughs> Any of our audience members were happy to read your Straight message on the air. Slurman. <laughs> How do you spell that? Standard spelling. That's slurming. S L U R M I N G. No, there's a G on there. Right? On this one. Uh, is there? Is there slurming? Uh, it's it slurming, right? It is slurming. The G is not oh, silent. Oh, see, that's like terrible. God be trust. It's like it's just regular. said regular spelling. It's, it's not a word. <laughs> we might have to get a real Bitcoin or a real email address. I, you mean more real than straight slurman at gmail.com? <laughs> okay. Could we keep it any more real? Let's stick with that. cat. I mean, I host their own email server, BTC pay server. Yeah. Yeah, you can put, you can send an email to it as many spe- variations of spelling as straight slurming and hope one of them gets through and doesn't bounce back, you know? <laughs> <laughs> any uh, final comments, anybody? Thanksgiving stories? I couldn't get my little cousins into Bitcoin. It's a bummer, you know. They're, you know, they're young enough; they could do it. But like, that's unfortunate. Just, yeah. just literally, just say like, uh, "Hey, get out your phone, download this app right now." I should have done that. I should have just given them Bitcoin. Yeah, don't like with kids. Don't ask them. 
just yeah, just tell, tell them, them do. like download this app. I'm gonna send you Bitcoin, Some and they'll just need do to be it. told what to do. <laughs> it's for their best interest, and that's it. That's all you gotta do. Yeah, yeah. don't ask permission. Don't lose this. <laughs> yeah, I've, I still yeah. When are you explaining how to use Tor to that group? <laughs> yeah, Bitcoin right, has so a way. Listen, I went to this pedophile conference and had this. <laughs> I had this presentation. I'm just gonna lay it out for you guys. This is how you use Tor. Um, yeah, no, th- there was a teenager. I've I've given like three or four teenagers Bitcoin, and I seriously just did that, and it was great. And this was like five or six years ago. Of course, they probably like spent it on drugs or whatever. But I mean. Kids with Bitcoin, they'll check the price every day. They probably bought more drugs if they held for a while, though. <laughs> that's true. So they there are the numerous. There are the numerous. You hold the higher you get. The more you hold, it's great. There are numerous Uber drivers and a uh, couple of waiters and a waitress and lots of Uber drivers. And you're always asking that, them to download the app first. They have gotten five or ten dollars in Bitcoin from me over the years. Um, I hope some of them still have it. But yeah, nice. Th- those are those are my prime targets. Getting stuck in a car with somebody you don't know for an extended period of time. Somehow Bitcoin comes up. I don't yeah. know why. Cash App is great for Uber drivers. Yeah, dude. All right. Anybody else? Final comments. All right. Thanks for listening. See you guys next week. What's up? <laughs>